My fellow Americans, I'm pleased to tell you today that I've signed legislation that will outlaw Russia forever. We begin bombing in five minutes. America for 300 years has been the land of promise for the rest of the world. The land of new frontiers, new opportunities. Yeah, we can't end you to get up. Clicking sounds. Sounds that reveal the presence of radioactive rays. The instrument, a Geiger counter, is converting radioactivity into sounds we can hear. And the hell with it. All right. Good evening and welcome to Tank Riot. This is episode 96. I am Sputnik. With me as always is Victor. Hello. And of course, Tor. Hi there. It, it truly has been tropical Madison, Wisconsin. It's been it's been pretty humid. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, geez. I feel like I'm in Vietnam. Yeah, it is the Nam. Yeah. In fact, yeah. I bought a bunch of 33 export that, that Vietnamese beer I was I haven't about. found that. Yeah, I've got to find you that. you got to go to Woodman's. Okay. It's the only place you'll find it. I haven't been drinking other stuff because I made another batch of a West Coast Ooh. amber. Oh. Really awesome using we'll Centennial and Cascade hops. It's a nice ambery IPA and it's beautiful. Hey, nice. after the malt liquor taps out, let's definitely get into that. <laughs> yeah, you got to have the good stuff first. That's right. It's a champagne and bottle of beers in many ways. The, yeah, well, so this episode is about Ronald Wilson Reagan. The greatest president from the state of Illinois. <laughs> the president that the state of Illinois is known for. Talk about your evil wow. empires. <laughs> Wait, that's Land of Lincoln. We're going to talk right. primarily about his acting career, correct? Right. Which includes both terms as president. As both terms as president, yes. <laughs> and and Hellcats of the Navy. Yeah. You know, someone did ask him, like, he, you know, he's the only actor who's been president. Right. And someone asked him, well... How do so you far. feel qualified, you know, being an actor? Has that helped or hurt your ability to be president? And he said, I can't imagine being anything else but an actor to be president. Oh, <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got to do the little head shake and well. get all folksy and shit. Yes. I, I have to say, he did a lot better job of looking sincere than, you know, like oh Bill Clinton. Oh, my goodness, yes. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, Bill Clinton always looked like that guy that got his dick caught in the screen door, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's be honest. And as far as cabinets go, as we will, we will reveal, Reagan had definitely a pretty shady cabinet, but as it turns out, not as shady as Bill. <laughs> but what we want to do in this one is, like, you know, going back to our podcast about best and worst presidents. I mean, we're we just want to examine Ronald Reagan in more detail. It's more or less a deconstruction. Yes, we you could say that we're adding him to the to the uh, the the douchery gallery, but in in many ways, it's not so much that. It's over the years. I mean, during his two terms. There was definitely a public image and a public perception, and then there was a certainly a not so behind the scenes reality. Right. And now, since uh, you know he's left office and he has uh, passed away, trying to do research on this topic, I found very very difficult because it's it's like this Orwellian uh, <laughs> revision of of those eight years and the impact that they had. It's amazing. It is amazing because, I mean, I was an adult. I definitely was politically active and watched the news. From 1980 on, yeah. this was not the golden years that I, I, it feels to me like 
the uh, new right, mm-hmm. if you want to call it that, in America is definitely trying to make him the second Republican uh, secular saint right alongside of Lincoln. Right. So, and, yeah. and in many ways, Reagan is the first of the Sith Lords. Of the neocon of, movement. Yeah, yes, yeah, exactly. Definitely. Oh, definitely. And he put a lot yeah. of them in power. I mean, right. so, so that was their first taste. And I, I think it is really important to talk about him a little more in detail rather than a skimming over of why he's a bad president or bad character or whatever. He is a complicated individual. A very complicated individual, not, not unlike Nixon in many ways, although mm-hmm. the two men politically have almost virtually nothing in common except they belong to the same party. And that's the thing. As the party has moved further and further to the right, it's mm-hmm. it's very interesting to look back at these historical characters and, and think that Nixon himself wouldn't have been electable as no. a Republican right now. And it's getting to the point where I don't know that Reagan would be either. Right. Based on a lot of the things that he did. Sure, sure. He did some very Republican-y things, and he came mm-hmm. up with some very neoconservative ideas that were still kind of floating around and, and feeling the impacts of today, which we'll get to. But I don't think he follows the same value system that, that he's being celebrated for kind of putting in power and creating. Well, and, and the Reagan years definitely laid the groundwork for the rise of the neocons in, uh, or certainly the neocons to power, mm-hmm. the halls of power in the mid to late 90s, and then, of course, the two Bush administrations, which... Is that going to be know, a new Transformers movie? Like, rise of the neocons? <laughs> but it will not star <laughs> Megan Fox, because no one wants to work with her. No, I don't even want to work with her. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> I just threw down my water, and yes. I said, well, if this is how it's going to be, Miss Fox... <laughs> She's going to have a press conference... <laughs> I chose not to be on Tank Riot. <laughs> <laughs> Sputnik, Victor, and Tor are like Hitler. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> it's not the first time we've been compared to <laughs> brutal dictators. And not the last. <laughs> so, we could begin with... Oh, gentlemen, do we have any first uh, but first this week? I, I really, truly don't. Um more or less just kind of keeping up with, okay, the cap that's working, let's take that off. Let's put a new one on. <laughs> let's not turn the spigot. <laughs> okay, fine. Yeah. yeah. I, I kind of, yeah, The, the this is kind of what we predicted a few weeks ago with the oil spill is that the yeah. fear that the pressure will be worse right. than actually capping it. So. Right. Well, now they're saying yeah. too. Yeah. If if they cap it and the pressure is actually high but stabilizes, we're good. Mm-hmm. If it's low, it means it's coming out somewhere else. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what the yeah. oil drum blog was kind of reporting right. weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So it'd be nice if uh, the government wasn't so protective. It seems like more of a security operation to keep reporters away from the truth than it is about finding the truth so that we can solve this problem that right. is approaching pretty, it's a pretty bad level at this well, point. Victor, as you know, I'm not a geologist. Uh, that's why I'm putting out my new DVD, uh, <laughs> Loose Oil Change. <laughs> Loose Oil Change. <laughs> OilTruth.org. Uh, there will be a conspiracy in here <laughs> yes. somewhere. Oh, I'm sure. There will be many. <laughs> Oil's many, many. black. Did you know that? I did not. <laughs> Texas tea, I hear. <laughs> so anyways, let's begin with... Our 40th president, Ronald Wilson Reagan, who was, in fact, born in the 20th century, although only barely. <laughs> barely. <laughs> he was wow. born in 1911 in Tampico, Illinois. You know, his his childhood, really, he's all-American. I mean— Oh, my God. And that's what he's known for, really. <laughs> exactly. And it, I think it's so, so true. And that is the part that the conservative mm-hmm. movement, I think, has really put on a pedestal and tried to polish and polish and polish and point out because he excelled in sports. He even did yes. drama— um, he was an announcer for the Cubs. Mm-hmm. Well, wow. even before that, but the, the thing about it is this is a C 
minus student. You know, this is right, not a right. genius we're talking about. No, here. no, no, no. We're ta- it's kind of he reminds me in a lot of ways. The more you look into his life and his career. It reminds me about a book that was written about George W. Bush called Ambling Through History. <laughs> and, and, and it kind of says it all where it's like the guy just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And he had this image that, you know, we'll get into later. He he was the perfect president for the 1980s. Yeah. I don't think a, that speaks well of the 1980s. Yeah, it's was, it was kind of a Forrest Gump almost thing. Where he was he, very Forrest Gump. Keep turning around and happen to be there. And, yeah, well, the right he didn't time, have the perfect but... upbringing either. I mean, his mother was very religious. Yes. And his father was a bit of a drinker. Yeah. Irish <laughs> Catholic family. Right. I heard the story of the time where he came home and his dad was passed out drunk on the porch. And he had to <laughs> oh, bring him we've indoors. Oh, come that's a fairly common wow. thing. <laughs> I guess in Wisconsin. <laughs> but um, so uh, Reagan was... Did you know Elizabeth McGovern did that in my backyard and died? D- did she really? Yeah, like a year... Wow. George McGovern's daughter, yes. for our listeners. Yes, for, for Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of... Uh... That was so weird. And so and so sad, too, because didn't yeah. she like more or less just like pass out drunk... Mm-hmm. And freeze to death in somebody's backyard in like January or yes. something. Yeah, mine. And that was right oh, off your the, backyard. Right, that was off the Crystal Corner Bar. Was that w- do, while you were renting it, or uh, that was the year is, before I moved in? Uh, before you moved in. Yes, I'm sorry, Teresa McGovern. Fact check time. Fact check. So when you get up in the next morning, go, is that Teresa McGovern? You know, I'm really getting tired of this. Yeah, well, I was always getting tired of the drunks who would pee on my wall as they left the Crystal Corner. Look, I've apologized and apologized. <laughs> I'm not talking about the drunks that left my apartment. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so he he did try to yeah, he was very charismatic and right. I think that really got him got him through to the the success he got as an announcer and got him noticed right for his voice and for his acting, you know, ability. Yes, he was he was um, you know, good-looking in the traditional sense, um had a great head of hair. Um his 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 nickname Dutch uh, stuck, you know, his father gave it to That's him. That's right. Um, because he, he said he looked like a fat little Dutchman, <laughs> which is, it's so heartwarming. It's kind of like how Meatloaf, right. you know, his dad, you know, who's also abusive said, you look like a goddamn Meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's it. <laughs> I'm going to be a rock star now. <laughs> I do anything for love, but I won't do that. And what is that? That song drives me nuts. <laughs> <sighs> I swear that's a Central Wisconsin theme song. (laughs) Yeah, it it should be. It's played most often in prom night, I understand. But the other other big heartwarming thing about uh, Ronald Reagan's youth is that he was a lifeguard on the river. Oh, my God. That's right. Let's just get that out of the way. Right. So so he's he's, he's a lifeguard. He's an announcer for the Cubs. He's a movie actor. And he's like, and of course, he's in the movie Newt Rockne All-American, which I don't know if you gentlemen have seen. You kind of got to, yeah, um, yeah. yeah well, well, the other this this was on the Rock River, and oh yeah, and he was even in the paper for saving. the The headline was Ronald Reagan saves a drowning man, and <laughs> and he over the course of being a lifeguard there had this log that he would put a mark in for every person he pulled out of the river. Wow. Now it's not wow. that everyone was gonna die, and this isn't like Niagara Falls they're gonna go off no, of or something. No. But whenever someone yeah. needed help and he pulled them out. He would chalk that up as saving a life, and it got to 77. Wow. wow. So he did that's, that for a number yeah, of years. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, 
That's decent. It so. is. Ronald yeah. Reagan in Baywatch. <laughs> <I know. Yeah. laughs> Baywatch. David Hasselhoff. Hasselhoff. That's so Ronald he Reagan. The, he was the David Hasselhoff of his time. They were both yeah. big in Germany, I hear. There you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what? Let's just skip through all that stuff yeah. <laughs> and just go. Right. Wait, I think it's really important that when he started getting involved in acting and he did all these, he's done over 50 movies. Yeah. We can talk about a bunch that, of them. That we, we don't have to. was not unusual at that period right, of time because right. of the studio system. I mean, he, it, they cranked him out. Oh, yeah. He, it was not unusual for somebody like Humphrey Bogart or Ronald right. Reagan to do five, six, seven, eight films a year. But Ronald Reagan <laughs> was kind of passed over for these A-list movies and he ended up doing more B-list acting. Yeah. And he got involved, uh, you know, he got in debt. He ended up having to go to Vegas and do shows there. Right. And there's there's rumors that he's been linked to the mafia as far as getting getting paid and and helping getting right. help from the mafia and working well, can in you Vegas. Not be linked to yeah. not be linked to the mafia if you're working Vegas. If you're working in that time period. Hughes in the yeah. high roller days. Pretty much you're working for the mob. Yeah. yeah. But but what I really want to get to is that he he got involved in this uh, the Actors Guild. Yes, and he became SAG. Yeah, he became a uh, the president of SAG when a bunch of people were, you know, outed basically, and this right. was all during, during the HUAC years, the HUAC the years scare. of anti-communism. Right. And so was he a big union socialist type? No, he no. was a strike breaker. Yeah, and strike. he had seen the strikes and the union wow. striking, and he was a he would cross the strike lines, and he due to his run-ins with people that I think we've talked about in maybe in the Walt Disney episode, right? When all the strikes were going on at the studio system, he hated it, and he felt that strikes really and and this goes all the way through up till when he's president and is right. firing air traffic controllers. Well, and I yeah. think I mean early on in his life, I mean Ronald Reagan was always uh, and he and he got this from his 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 mother mm-hmm. he was always very deeply fundamentally christian right and he also was one of these obsessive anti-communists that you could only get during this period of time right and one of the yeah. things that i think because you, you really have to know that and understand that to know why he reacted to all the things that he did yes throughout his career especially during his two administrations where you know, he would refer to the Soviet Union as the evil empire mm-hmm. and the source of evil on the planet. And and he, he saw everything in this term and he's this very black and white absolutist uh, good versus evil. And, and that's why no I think it's ground. really important to mention his SAG leadership. Mm-hmm. And it was at this time where he was working. He realized there were communists in the studio right. system and they were at the meetings. They were on the boards. They were on different groups that he was interacting with and he was trying to out them because he really felt this red menace was real right he was a true believer in the joe mccarthy yeah. theory i have wow. right, right here in my hand list of over 200 so so there were rumors that he was an fbi informant yeah he wasn't an informant he was a friendly witness a friendly witness yes. which friendly comes witness. down to like you're an informant Exactly. I, I, love it, yeah, I, know. I love it. I love it. He was just so, so eager. He didn't even want oh, he money. Didn't, he just yeah. didn't have to get of, on, the, on the payroll. There was a lot of people that were that way during the years. Like, oh, you want a list of 10 names? Hell, I've got at least 30 or 40. Right. And he was, he was dropping names, trying to get everybody uh, out. And it was at a meeting uh, where an FBI agent came to his house and told him about the Red Menace and really convinced right. him that they were going to try to take over the movies and take over the country by... Putting the message out that, yes. that communism is is the wave of the future and that the weight of history is behind it and everything. So so unionism or or even the labor movement to somebody like Ronald Reagan smacked of being a red. Yes, exactly. 
And yeah, he he outed people left and right and was very supportive of that whole anti-communist movement right up until he decided to get involved in politics. He was married to Jane Wyman <clears throat> at first. Yes. And yep. that marriage didn't exactly last. Um, they had children together. The reason it didn't yep. last was was because of his when he was SAG president, it's not, it's not like the man was doing a whole lot of acting, but he was very active in the Screen Actors mm -hmm. Guild, and that took him away a lot. And, you know, of course, that's when people would start to tap him for, hey, you know, you're a good-looking guy, you're a good public speaker and everything, you know, how, how about maybe political office? Right. So, but Jane Wyman did not want, she wanted to have a life with Ron, not share Ron with the Screen Actors Guild or political office and so forth. So when Ron underwent his big political transformation from New Deal Democrat to hardline conservative Republican, um, she just said, okay, that's enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we're just not going to do that. And of course he met, um, mm -hmm. Uh, Nancy in uh, the fabulous movie Hellcats of the Navy. Right. Well, they were Wyman. Wow. <laughs> he was married to Wyman from forty to forty eight, and and they had Michael and Maureen, and they had a daughter that died, mm -hmm. and and then that Didn't was they adopt a couple of children. As yeah, well? they adopted uh, one. And was it Michael Reagan that adopted? Yeah, one? Michael was adopted. Maureen and, and was. Who, which wife did he have? Ron Reagan. Nancy. Ron, Nancy. Okay. Can't you tell? <laughs> I, I see Nancy when I look at Ron. Okay, yeah, that's true. I think he, yes. I think he looks like his father, especially but, when yeah. he's belly dancing. I thought the okay. oh god, that's right. <laughs> I thought the marriage uh, with uh, Wyman lasted longer than that, but you could be right. No, I, it was eight years, and I think she cited mental cruelty as the reason for yeah, the divorce. Yeah, but I think that was Common. essentially because he was always working for the mm -hmm. Screen Actors Guild, mm -hmm. and he was out. He was gone a lot, and that was. You know, and he did do some work for, uh, for the military during the war, but he was nearsighted, so he didn't actually see any combat. So he was 4F, and he ended up just, um, see, how, did, <laughs> how did they put that? He was sent to the Provisional Task Force Show Unit. <laughs> I mean, it's just so funny. It's like, we're the, we're the attack dancers. <laughs> attack dancers. <laughs> we're making movies. <laughs> but yeah, so he married Nancy, and Patty was born. Right. And Patty was trouble from the get-go. You know, it's interesting. Patty and Ron both have very interesting perspectives on the presidency. Yes, they do. And and their books about mm -hmm. their experiences with their father. I mean, he was one of those people that I think was easy to... He was very likable because he had that persona, but there was definitely a lot more there, including kind of a lot of inattentiveness in terms of, right. you know. He was a guy who knew mm -hmm. a lot of people but didn't have any friends over for dinner. There you go. So, yeah, he's very private. I do want to just mention mm -hmm. a couple of his movies. Okay. Um, because, you know, he was largely a, you know, a B-movie actor, and I have three recommendations for our listeners if you want to, to see our 40th president <laughs> while he was an actor. One, of course, is the, fa the, the, the famous Newt Rockney All-American. And that's the one where he played the Gipper. Win this one for the Gipper. <laughs> the Gipper. And, yeah. I, you know, and I can never look at that scene now and not think of Airplane when it's like, <laughs> I don't know when I'll get there, but I won't smell too good. That's for sure. You know who said that to me? George Zip. He said, go out there and win one for the, the Zipper. zipper. <laughs> and it's like totally blown all that away, but... If you see Newt Rockney, oh my God, this is the most flag-waving movie, sports movie you'll ever want to see. And, you know, he's this poor kid who's working on a scholarship and shoveling coal. It's 
it's just you got to see it. And, and well, later Reagan used that movie as uh, that catch line, you know, win one for the Gipper as right part of his uh, Reagan um, threw everything into the right. campaigning. Well, that's yeah. yeah, the film. What's the other? Well, I'll hear your other three recommendations, but is King's Row one of them? It's not King's Row. <laughs> oh, okay. That one was actually he he actually got very good reviews for that. Okay, yeah. Well, that but, one is what he wrote. His autobiography was called. Where's the rest of me? Right. In the in King's Row, he loses. He's a double amputee. And so, right. where's the rest of me was the big tagline. <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> That's anyway, true. What are, you, what are your other two? My other two are uh, Bedtime for Bonzo. With which, the monkey. With the monkey, which I believe I've mentioned in other podcasts, yep. where the concept is, is that um, he wants to marry the dean's daughter. He's a professor of psychology. And his father in the movie, his character in the movie, was a career criminal. And at that time, there was a very heavy belief in, you know, genetic components for criminality and everything. So he didn't want him to marry his daughter. So instead, he takes this chimp and tries to <laughs> raise it and and have it morally reason. <laughs> and it's like, I, all I got to say is, like, roll a big fat one, get a six of, <laughs> six of your favorites... Or forty ounces <laughs> of your favorites. Forty ounces of your favorites, and sit down and watch this film. Wow! And and think that this man was elected for two terms. Didn't he have to hire like a nanny or something? Yes, and that's the woman who then he falls in love right, with because okay. she becomes the mother surrogate and okay. yeah, bedtime for Bonzo. Yeah, so, and when this happens in reality, it's a little different. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like I've heard some really good stories about real psychologists taking in monkeys at the time and trying to raise chimpanzees oh. as humans and there's right. an amazing adaptability of the species but anyway right what's your third my third one is the one that where he's on screen with uh nancy ah. uh, which is hellcats the navy hellcats the navy is could be and the reason i saw this film originally was because i'm a huge fan of sub movies mm -hmm. <laughs> this one takes place on a submarine that's about all, the only connection i would put with some of the other like destination mm -hmm. tokyo das boat and everything has everyone anyone ever thought of making a zombie submarine film Wow, that's oh, a good one. That would be good, yeah. Because where where can you where go? Where can you go? <laughs> I suppose you can always screw the door, the hatch shut. There was one. Yeah. It was kind of an early uh, version of uh, Snakes on a Plane. Yes. It was called Fur de Lance, and there were these incredibly poisonous snakes that were for some reason on a sub. The sub's in trouble. It's stranded on the bottom. The snakes get loose, so it's snakes on a sub. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of creepy when you think about it. But, but Hellcats kind of uh, didn't do well at the box office, did it? It did not. It was just a total B movie, and uh, and that's probably given it more credit than is due. But Nancy plays like a, a Navy nurse, and Ron is, uh, uh, I believe, was the commander or maybe the the first officer. Anyways, he could never remember his lines in this movie. Through most of the movie, he's in the sub looking through the periscope because they put the lines of the movie on the other side of the periscope. <laughs> nice. And so even though that you know, like you said, okay, take it down to 200 feet. Yeah, he's 200 feet is, below. You're not seeing anything except maybe a fish's ass, but no, Ron needs to do his lines, you know. So. Looking through the... Oh, man. <laughs> you know. Just just like Pa Brady was so drunk that, you know, he'd always always in his study, and he was an architect, right? He would always have his architect drawing table, and they would always film it from the front. That's because he was so loaded, he'd have to do the, read the lines from his like, whoa, Greg, oh, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Wow. <laughs> Take two. I hadn't heard that one. <laughs> yeah, some dishing some dirt on the Brady Bunch. Marsha, get in here. <laughs> no reason. Just want you to come in here. <laughs> Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. <laughs> 
So I think I think we can just wrap up his movie career. With... Yeah, it was like in 1952 that he started getting more involved in politics and started supporting Eisenhower. Right. And then and then he liked Dyke. He liked Dyke. Everyone liked Dyke. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I probably would have liked Dyke. <laughs> My bike. Like the slogan yeah. alone. <laughs> I mean, really, yeah. you just you just put it right out there. I yeah. like Ike. Tina That's, Turner didn't like Ike. You gotta like Ike. Yeah. <laughs> no. True. No, she yeah. did not. So um, after his, uh, I guess you know his show Army Career. As you were saying, that's when he became involved um, as a SAG president, and uh, well, you know was you know. Marked for his uh, very uh, union busting attitude toward you know labor management issues, and when you say labor union busting, I mean just well, it definitely presaged, as you say, the firing of the air traffic controllers mm-hmm. in his first administration, where mm-hmm. it's just like, whoa, and by God, we'll get somebody else. It's yeah. like, oh, you mean for a highly technical job like air traffic? Mm-hmm. See, but then as his career was really on the skids, and he was done with the Vegas thing, he was hosting right. he was hosting uh, GE Theater on Sundays for like. <laughs> Eight years he was well, hosting TV. He hated TV. TV, TV yeah. was always like, oh, that's for people who have no talent. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hey, how about this huge fat check? And, right. yeah. and then what they did is they sent him around the country, you know, as a representative, and he would go to all these different GE places, these factories, and he would meet with business people. And this mm-hmm. is where he started really hearing the philosophies of business management and what businesses would like to do and what right. businesses wanted yeah. to hear from political <laughs> candidates. Most definitely. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we need to stop those striking workers and <laughs> those reds <laughs> and those the red reds. <laughs> There's actually an album out of a uh, Reagan's spoken word album called Ronald Reagan speaks out against socialized medicine that came out in 61, which really kind of marked his, his big political transition. Yeah. So he yeah. went from, from being kind of a new deal Democrat though. No, cert- he, he politically identified as a Democrat during those times. Yeah. Yes, yep. he did. I yeah. mean, even though he supported Eisenhower, he was still a, you know, a Democrat. But keep yeah. in mind, dear listener, that Democrat then means a lot different than Democrat now. And Republican then means a lot different yes. than yes. Republican now. Yeah. The, These terms are highly inflammatory right now. Democrat and Republican right. are one are, are two terms and two parties that have changed incredibly over the decades, even right. in our lifetime. Oh, my so gosh. Yeah. Even in the last deal. 15 years. There, right. was, you know, you would have Klansmen as Democrats back in the back Oh, yeah. In the oh day. yeah, the classic Dixiecrat. Oh, yeah, the yeah. Dixie. Uh, yep. Strom Thurmond walking out of yeah, the actually, 1948 convention because Harry Truman was going to talk about civil rights, and, he, and the whole delegation right. just walked out. Did you yeah. pour out some of your forty ouncer for Robert Byrd? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's I, what I was thinking of. Recently my, passed away, Robert Byrd. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that he, it's actually not only do the Democrats transform, but a senator, longstanding senator like Robert Byrd, actually transformed through the years. Exactly, and yeah. changed so. I mean, the, the Democrats were the party of the slave-owning South, right. and then they became the party of the disenfranchised and civil rights and, of course, the Great Society and the New Deal. And then uh, the Republicans originally started as the party of free white labor. Hmm. Not exactly an auspicious beginning. <laughs> uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe a little bit different than, say, the, the know-nothings or the free soilers but, or the Whigs. <laughs> <laughs> Which Lincoln was originally a Whig, yep. <laughs> but um, Ronald Reagan became incredibly pro-business and not just a Republican, but an extreme Republican. And er- yeah. during the early '60s, this was the period of time when 
the Republicans' party really started to split. Yeah, he yeah. he was representing some of the libertarian aims of the party with yes. uh, in you know stopping government from encroaching on individual freedoms and mm-hmm. keeping down government. Government right. was seen as the problem, you know, and, right. and, and he's echoed this it, throughout his career. You yes. can only wonder what what our society would be like now if if we did get some type of socialized medicine or change the system back in the early 60s. Right. But it was squelched by, I believe it was the National Physicians Organization or something mm-hmm. like that really pushed against it because they're afraid it would cut into their paycheck. And That's right. I'm guessing a lot of those, uh, a lot of physicians now are regretting that. I would that think their predecessors so. did that. Yes, mm. I, I'm but, uh, very sure you're Reagan right helped that. it, helped kill it off. Well, as, as you were mentioning, Victor, he became a spokesman for GE. Mm-hmm. That's where he was really getting involved in a lot of, you know, what's good for business is good for the country yep. kind of philosophy, as well as free markets. Of course, you can't see the huge air quotes I'm making. <laughs> <laughs> free markets. Yeah. If I could possibly say that with more bile, I yes. would. Uh-huh. And of course, you know, anti anti-communism, lower taxes, and limited to government. You know, it's it's all the classics. Yeah, so this is like in the late fifties, and he was done with the Screen Actors Guild in I think fifty-nine. And this was, you know, Castro was starting to pick up steam at this point, and the Red Menace had kind of shifted into this whole realm of Cuba and Russia and China and well and that's and that's the thing too is that at that period of time the the major theory I think there's always like a misunderstanding that America was somehow this kind of more had a more defensive stance during the Cold War because uh, we always followed containment trying to contain the spread of of communist uh, ideology yeah. throughout the third world or major countries and mm-hmm. and and the, and the fact of the matter was is that um, the Red Scare in the United States and all the anti-communist talk in the United States justified the propaganda and the rationale that the Soviets were, you know, spitting out. Right. So, so one justified the other because they were spewing stuff. Oh, the yes, we were spewing they fed stuff off of one another. They yeah. never really had to change ideologically because if you did, that would be weakness before the enemy. Yeah. So you could just keep... You could keep going in the same fashion for yeah. decades and never question So, so if it. one side would have toned it back a little bit, it would have exactly settled down. Yeah, and we'll we'll get into we'll get into that hopefully sooner rather than later, but th- this is a tactic that is very very common in the game for winning elections. Right. <laughs> um yeah. Well, he he was in 1960, he was a Democrat for Nixon. So he was still a Democrat at that point, but and but already yeah, making stomping that, for Nixon that jump, and, and that's mm-hmm. where he started to get some attention nationally as you know a political force. Well, um, Reagan's show for GE, the ratings fell off. GE dropped him in '62, and that's also when he became a registered Republican. Uh, with his comment, uh, I didn't leave the Democratic Party, the party left me. Yeah, well, GE dumped him because they had contracts. He was speaking out against contracts that they had, and they just couldn't have him anymore, Right. you know, as a so it's, spokesman. It's pretty much a comment against the Kennedy philosophy and the way the Kennedys were taking Democratic Party, it would right. be my guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and he was very much, uh, because in the, in the 60s you definitely had... Uh, the push for civil rights, you know, certainly under the the Kennedy administration. Yeah. Um, also, you started to see the rise of uh, Barry Goldwater and a very extreme 
faction of yes. the Republican Party. And he gave a speech in 64 for Barry Goldwater. Yes. And that that made him a star in the political, the in the Republican Party. The time for choosing Party. speech. The time for choosing speech. Yes, yes. That's... Do you want to read that in a full Reagan voice? <laughs> I don't really have a... I don't know if I could uh, do it justice, quite honestly. But uh, so, but essentially what he said was, the founding fathers knew a government can't control the economy without controlling people. And they knew when a government sets out to do that, it must use force and coercion to achieve its purpose. So we have come to a time for choosing. So, you know, that, that it, along with many of his speeches, people really flocked to what they read into that. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't necessarily what Reagan believed. It was charismatic and vague. Yeah, it <laughs> it's was wonderful. Charismatic and vague. I think that probably should be on his tombstone. <laughs> the Great Communicator, charismatic and vague. God bless. Well, but then he decided to run for governor of California. Oh, now I think I've mentioned my uncle who is uh, dyed in the wool Orange County Republican. And there are pictures of him with Richard Nixon. He worked for the Nixon campaigns, just adored Nixon. Uh, the first time I ever visited him in California, he took me all over Whittier. It was like the Nixon highlight tour, <laughs> you know. So we were driving around in this green, star map. Yeah, right. Green Polera, you know. <laughs> it's like, and here's uh, Whittier High School where Richard Nixon went to. Oh, <laughs> man. Like, oh, wow. yeah. I, I, I grew up with that. And um, wow. but he hated Reagan. He hated that strain of republicanism. Mm. So there was a huge schism in the party growing even at that time. Mm -hmm. So when Barry Goldwater had his own convention, where was it? Uh, liber or was it vigilance in the cause of liberty is no vice or something? Or extremism in the cause of liberty is no vice. It was just sort of like you know, see. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, did he think that Nixon was more sincere? More of a, a no, genuine uh, it's, it's a, person? It's, or? it's a very real political difference between, say, someone like Richard Nixon and George Herbert Walker Bush and Ronald Reagan and yeah. George W. Bush. Yeah. In that, you know, they they saw things in a much more, uh, I, I don't know if balanced is the way to put it, but they, they were not so extreme and strident in their views. Well, right. and, and there wasn't the polarity of vile hatred between the two parties right. in that time. There was a working there were working relationships between Democrats and Republicans. Right. Oh, there yeah. was such a thing yeah. as a progressive Republican at one time. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, Rockefeller, I, Nelson actually, Rockefeller is a great example. Recently, um, I, I, this week, I heard a radio commentary personality refer to Nixon as a liberal. Yeah. Yeah. By so, today's standards yeah. of, of the Republican Party, Richard Nixon would seem kind of like a fluffy hippie. Yeah. Do you think he could, yeah. I mean... And he could play he could the get piano. on a Democratic ticket? <laughs> Possibly. I mean, maybe if they got, did something with the flop sweat. <laughs> yeah. See, that's what I always liked about it. Yeah, I know. Uh -huh. It's so endearing. It is endearing. <laughs> I gave them a sword, David. <laughs> I always love that one for the Frost Nixon interview. It's like, okay, and cut. <laughs> so so when, he be when, when Reagan became governor of... California. Yes. This, is, this is when he swore he's going to cut taxes and I'm just going right. to make these maneuvers. And he did a 10% cut across right. the board to the state right. of California because they had at the time this giant $200 million deficit. And and he said, oh, just 10% 10, 10 across the board. That's, right. That sounds real familiar. Oh, I know. It does, I know. doesn't it? I know. Doesn't it? It's, it's, <laughs> California's always operated in the red. Have we tried furloughs? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
isn't Schwarzenegger trying to do about the same thing? Yeah. 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 Schwarzenegger yeah, but- is someone I would probably uh, typify as as more of a Nixonian right. Republican. You, you can work with him a little bit. He doesn't. Right. Yeah. He's but, not an extreme but, fundamentalist. But that's the that's the gaffe but, is that he yeah. didn't. I mean, this is classic Reagan. Is he just did it and and he paid for it later because yeah. I mean, sure there were protests. The students made their big protests. I love that one of the protests of of Reagan. The students did a silent protest where they they lined the sidewalk where he mm-hmm. goes to his office. And they all stood there and didn't say a thing. They were completely silent and right. and still, and they st- stared at him and and just watched him go all the way up up the steps of his office. And what does Reagan do? He turns around to all of them and goes, "Shh, <laughs> God, <laughs> oh, that's kind of creative." I know, yeah. I know, uh, he, I know. He yeah. can pull these things he, out of his ass. He is so yeah, quick yeah. about those things. Yeah, well, like the thing he said to, to Mondale. Oh, we'll get to that. We'll get oh, to yeah, that. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely yeah, get to yeah. that. Definitely. But so what he had to do is he had to backtrack on these cuts, and he had to raise taxes. Right. So, and that just killed him because he was always, you know, he wants to reduce mm-hmm. the taxes and everything, but then he ended up making the greatest, you know, tax hikes in recent history and right. it didn't it didn't bode well for him. Yeah. No, it did not. The problem with making cuts in government is, you know, you can say 10% across the board cuts or you can say, okay, let's prioritize all the projects that the government does and then lop off the ones on the bottom. Oh, yeah. And uh, the problem is that's not politically easy because no. nobody wants their project cut but. it was it was the university system and i think mental yeah. health that right. it was just like as if you just kicked them and and that was what really hurt is what i found interesting yeah. is just just uh today i was looking at some numbers where it compared uh the united states with a number of other countries on um percentage of gross national product spent on uh social programs versus uh national debt oh and and there we were right, right at the ass end, eighteen percent for social programs, like sixty some percent for national debt. That's socialism. Yeah, and that's socialism. Whereas uh-huh. these other countries like Sweden, the numbers are almost completely reversed. <laughs> yeah, but, but America's a big country. We got a lot of land. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's all these strange arguments. We got you run shit into. to do. Shit to do Starting here. with Reagan, we didn't. We stopped investing in America. That's right. That's true. We went from being a producer nation to a service services nation, and now we don't even do that. Yeah. Now we're just like this myth. And we'll, we'll get into this we're more. We're a bloated but, yeah. myth, which, yeah. which Reagan typified beautifully, because you know what, Tor? It is morning in America. Yeah. <laughs> Once a day. You know, another... <laughs> <laughs> just like everyone else on the fucking planet. <laughs> you know, another thing Reagan did when he was pres- uh, president or governor... The governor of California the governor, yes. was he he loosened abortion laws in the state. Yeah. Which <gasps> what? Shut You're up. not allowed to do that as a no. Republican nowadays. <laughs> That's the thing. It Nixon looks like liberal now. Yep. But oh, yeah. Re- he did the Re- Freedom of Information Act. I mean, you name it. I mean, yeah, and, and Reagan, although we're gonna rip on him big time. Still looks kind of liberal compared he, he to the Republicans does. now. Yes, yeah. but, but like I say, he was the first of the Sith Lords. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> each one has to crank it up another notch. just a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, what's amazing is, is that so you know he did his work in SAG. He um, was a tel- you know movie and television personality, governor of uh, California, which is not. I mean, so that's actually a lot of national 
exposure in a lot of ways. Yeah. So much so that in 68, he tested the the presidential waters. He did, yeah. As, as part of a Stop Nixon movement. And he was actually third behind Nixon and uh, Nelson Rockefeller. But Nixon's the one. But Nixon, Nixon <laughs> was the one. one. Hey, four more years. <laughs> Have you heard that They Might Be Giants song? I think they did it as Monopuff. <laughs> yeah. Nixon's the one. Oh, my God. God, is that funny? When they look back and weigh everything he's done, they will realize Nixon's the one. So, I mean, he he definitely right out of the gate had a had a pretty grown he was in the fast track in national politics mm-hmm. which is just like a governor of california you you know cuz if if people know your face it doesn't matter if they they know or care what you stand for they recognize your face and that recognition is really what it's all about well california is a yeah. lot like wisconsin it's a very complicated state because you have a, yes. a large liberal population like the 30 mile radius of insanity that is Madison surrounded by reality. Yeah. Or and, the other way around. <laughs> okay. That's what they always say above the pine yeah. curtain when I'm up there. But uh you have a you have a large liberalized student movement and, and a population and immigrant right. movement and right. and then you have the factions of the farmland in their very own version of the pine curtain over there that's very Republican and libertarian probably. And libertarian, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a very strong libertarian element in Scotty Nation. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And yeah. and that's that's one too. We we'd probably do a whole cast on libertarianism, but I'm sure that after all that research, we'd probably no be no better off in defining that term. Yeah, I love some yeah. libertarian. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I could call myself libertarian by the, some the definitions, real. but yeah, yeah others talking, I can't. If you're talking about civil rights and legalizing mm-hmm. drugs and prostitution, yeah, I'm right behind you, but <laughs> <laughs> When it starts to get to all the other stuff about, we got to stop the immigrants, and that's why I'm a minute man. <laughs> it's like, okay, you know. I'm going to join the chamomile tea party. <laughs> chamomile. <laughs> oh. I just had some mint magic. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel so... I don't know if the mint yeah, magic fresh. tea party sounds like a good... <laughs> no, no there sounds like there's dope involved in that. And again, I'm right behind you, but... This is a commercial product. <laughs> so, um... So he won re-election, two terms as governor. Right, but but during his his terms as governor, he showed, I think, a very harsh side of his of his political persona. Yeah, he really pissed off some people. Oh no yeah, question. oh he called the National Guard in on Berkeley protests. Yeah, uh, yeah, California Highway <laughs> Patrol. Oh yes, which is worse. Wow. There were beatings. I mean, you know, you you see chips, but honest yeah. to God. The chip, the the chips are like the scariest dudes in mm. California. If if a chip pulls you over, just drop to the pavement. We're not talking John <laughs> and Ponch here. So they, they no, no. these the, guys are the, out there with a hog leg and a bad attitude. So the TV show really uh, niced them up a bit. I, it niced yeah. them up huge. Yeah. Guys, I was at a used bookstore and I almost bought season one of Chips for five dollars. If that's the one that has Donnie <laughs> most. I should As probably just star, grab it. I would totally get that. I should probably just grab it. Morlock must die. <laughs> no, our was... listeners are just going to be like keyword in this. <laughs> Morlock is... must die. How do you spell Morlock? I'm a John man. I'm not really a Ponch man. I'm more John. <laughs> Even the roller disco episodes. Come on. <laughs> I like uh, the Chips episode when they just when they explained punk rock. Yeah, <laughs> it's evil, man. <laughs> it's not like New Wave. <laughs> well, thanks for clearing that up for me, Punch. 
<laughs> but so so Nixon at this time in the in the second part of his his term is is Watergate starting to break when right. when Reagan was in his second term of of governor and Reagan was a big supporter of Nixon during these times yes right up till the very end it wasn't three days before Nixon actually resigned that mm-hmm. Reagan finally said uh, he he deceived the nation <laughs> yeah he finally you know <laughs> okay <laughs> turns out there was a smoking gun <laughs> but but I think right I, right, I, right about then Reagan's writing his little note but mental note. Don't get caught. <laughs> yeah, but whatever you do, look good. Yeah. Well, so I mean, when don't he don't sweat on TV. When that's he was, probably what he wrote. That's true. When he was governor, Reagan was always at odds with the anti-war movement and the hippies and when well, yeah, I mean, because that to unions. Me, he was yeah. When there's any kinds of strikes, he would call out the most extreme force to deal with it because to that to him again, he was stemming the tide of 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 communism in one fashion or another. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is when you move on to um, uh, to the seventy six presidential campaign, where um, Gerald Ford, Gerald Ford. Now, I one thing that they don't mention, which I I think is hilarious, but but I do remember from that campaign, is that Ford and Reagan were like deadlocked right. in terms. So they could have very easily split the party, and more or less, that's kind of what ended up happening. Mm-hmm. They actually floated an idea at the convention of co-presidents. Jeez. Wow. Yeah, now how fucking Roman is that? Couldn't you just kick out your vice president and make Reagan your vice? I mean... No, they wanted two yeah. presidents. I actually rem- remember Reagan making a stink at that convention. Oh, that, yeah. That, that's really the first convention that I started paying attention to... Uh, you know the TV coverage of the was, presidential race. Was sure. that the when when were when did Ford? I remember seeing something where Ford won, but he made Reagan come down to the stage because everyone kept cheering for him. Right? Is that that convention? Mm-hmm. Because Reagan was like, "Well, it's not my place yeah, now." Ford only had right. one convention. Yeah, I don't have to go down there. Right. But but they had to find their way down to the stage because people would not stop screaming for him. Oh, right. I mean, he was a rock star of the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. Well, Ford was yeah the only president not elected and yeah yeah exactly. So yes, he actually <laughs> mm-hmm. was in a campaign, but mm. yep yeah he was never he was never elected he was, president. Wasn't he Speaker of the House? And then he got. Promoted to vice president and then president. Yes, yeah. be- because they were dropping like flies in the Nixon yeah. White House. <laughs> right. <laughs> he was, um, you know, first bureau um, and then uh, finally Nixon. Yeah. So he's sworn in and uh, Ford has his vice president, uh, Nelson Rockefeller, who again is a progressive, very popular Republican mm-hmm. and still mm-hmm. showing a different side of the Republican Party. And uh, two people from Ford's cabinet... Uh, Dick Cheney. <laughs> we'll call him Dick for short. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see, no, let me see. It was it was Cheney and um, was it Ashcroft? They actually kind of pulled a, a a palace coup and got Rockefeller ousted. You know, we, yeah. we probably shouldn't make fun of Cheney because Senator Palpatine is putting in a new heart. <laughs> So, yeah. I mean, he's having some work done on the chassis. <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah. yeah. Let's go easy on Dick. That's Dick. <laughs> <laughs> so, and of course, uh, well, Reagan ran out of funds on this campaign. Yes. I, and, and, but he, everyone was like, okay, let's, uh, 
you know, lick our wounds and go home. And he was like, no, I won't keep going. <laughs> for Dole, for Dole. Yeah, and what he, was, what he was really trying to do was just keep the movement alive, you know, even for the next four years so that right. he could get it next time. I mean, this guy was determined. He was, he was not, dogged. Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of an amazing personality type. He had a huge uh -huh. war. I mean, like George W. Bush, he had a huge pre-election war chest built up, too, which made him such a steamroll effect in 1980. Yeah. Plus two now. And I think that, you know, so, of course, in 76, Jimmy Carter won and, uh, you know, Ford, the Ford Dole camp lost. But through this whole period of time, of course, there was event after event in the Carter administration. I mean, you had in uh, 1975, of course, you had the end of the Vietnam War and uh, the fall of Saigon and, you know, the chopper with all the people, you know, leaving from the U.S. embassy roof. And, and then, then the 19. Then, then the 19. <laughs> I just downloaded that song. Oh, God. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good song, actually. This is Saigon. And um, then, of course, you, you had the you, – you, you really had an incredible national malaise – after Vietnam, because everyone was like, oh, my God, you know, what what's happening? Mm -hmm. The 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 anti-war movement yeah. had turned violent. With Watergate combined State, with Vietnam. Watergate. You had runaway inflation. Oil prices, the gas shortages. The gas shortages. Disco. And disco. The Middle East was doing crazy <laughs> stuff with airplanes. Sorry, disco That's was great. cool. <laughs> disco is cool. <laughs> Just call me disco stew. <laughs> And then, of course, you know, winding up the 70s with um, the fall of the Shah of Iran and, and the, the hostage, hostage crisis. Taking. Yes. So this is where it begins. And Reagan goes with his usual stuck record, which is, you know, less government, uh, smaller taxes, virulently anti-communist. And it's morning in America again. Mm -hmm. Meaning, yeah. look, dust yourself off. Feel good about yourself. Now, and, and again... He was a perfect president for the 1980s, which, you know, I know that every decade is always called the me decade. I know the 70s has been that's been laid on and so forth. But yeah. I, to me, I can't think of a single decade that was more me centered and fuck everyone else yeah. than the it, 1980s the in America. 80s, it's like that's how I was. I'm <laughs> 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 just speaking for myself. Oh, where's my shit? Hey, it was, hey do I got to be the asshole to say that we went back hey, in time Kata. in this hot tub? <laughs> I just wandered around the 80s confused. <laughs> I, I I couldn't. Um, Were you dazed and confused? Well, it was the '70s. Jimmy Carter was telling me to, you know, energy conservation. Let's let's check out solar panels, wind energy, and I'm like, yeah, let's, and, you know, let's do all this I stuff. Bet you voted for Jerry Brown and, and then fucking hippie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I couldn't vote at the time. Yeah, I think I dropped a check mark by his name back in the primary. 1980 was actually the first election but, yeah. that I I could vote in legally. Wow. Yeah, I, I hit Jerry Brown when he was campaigning against Clinton, which Clinton eventually got it. You were out of prison at the time. I was out of prison. Uh, I couldn't buy a gun, but I could vote for president. Yeah, yeah it was a compromise deal, right? It was all a bum rap. But, yeah. So, so and so, so he destroyed Carter. Oh my God! It was oh, yeah. it was huge. Mm -hmm. It was history's greatest monster, according to some. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Carter. Oh, I know. Carter is like the fall guy. In, I know. In, in fact, I was I was looking at this magazine article just last week where it had a pitch, uh, this cartoon of Obama, and he's casting a shadow that looks like Jimmy Carter. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, oh, it's like, think about it. I mean, all the things that he's he's faced, it's very similar oh, God, in, yeah. in in a presidency that's just marred by things out of control. He's tanking huge. Yeah, and it's not. I, honestly, I'm not all that pro Obama, but yeah. I don't think it's a lot of his fault. Oh no! Although, no. oh, he's an incredibly inattentive, inactive president who's not doing any of the stuff that he said he was going to do. No, no, and and <laughs> yeah. he makes speeches that but seem we like they were almost carbon in. copied yeah. from, yeah. you know, Bush. I guess what and... we've learned, to be president of the United States, you need to be the cowboy, the, you know, talk, right. you need to talk it tough. <laughs> and so we need to find a, a, a liberal progressive that's able to do the cowboy thing and well, you know, say it like it is. I don't think that's ever really going to happen in this country. Well, one can dream. Dream a dream. Yeah. Well, yeah. He, and he always was, you know, pictured in the cowboy hat. I, I have one of those photos right here. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, er, early on in his, uh, I don't know, it was the campaign or the presidency, probably the campaign, he, he Ronald Reagan loved to ride horses. Yes. And uh, Which is unusual since he was such a horse's ass. No, come on. <laughs> all right. All right. I had but to get that out. He... Um, he, he liked to dress up in oh, kind of the, right. the, the English riding uniform. With right. the, I don't know, the little knickers things. And yeah, the, yeah. the jacket and the he hat. He was a true equestrian. They were, equestrian. Doing that, they were doing that photo op, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and the... And the guy in charge of his campaigners, like, you know, it's like, no, you can't wear that. It's like, <laughs> go, like put, go put on some blue jeans and a plaid shirt. And, you Ronald know, Reagan was like, yeah. but this is how I always ride. ride. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, wow. And, and, and so he went and put on some cowboy outfit. Yeah, cowboy. Well, didn't he... Um... <laughs> Well, I mean, he also hosted a show, wasn't it like Death Valley Days? Yeah, that was, yeah. Yeah, 2020 this. Mule Team Boraxo. <laughs> Brought <Yeah. you> by. <laughs> we use 20 Mule Team Borax. <laughs> I swear to loving God, it says 20 Mule Team Borax over 40 times on the box. <laughs> wow. I mean, they are pushing that brand. <laughs> yeah. So I, okay, so 20 is good? Know, it's apparently a really good number for a mule team. It's twice as much as 10. That's a lot and of And it's mules. way more than a 10 mule team borax. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. It's like... Uh, I had to run through and count how many times they said that. That was pathetic. People keep asking. It's like, uh, will, this, uh, will this run on 64-bit architecture? Uh, <laughs> do you need 64-bit? Well, it's twice as much as 32-bit. Yeah. You know, they really virtually have nothing. I was like, oh, fuck, sure. Yes. Get your 64-bit pinhead. You have to thread it first. You'll be twice as dangerous. He'll <laughs> yeah. bring the system down twice as quick now. The thing I came it across was I had something that wouldn't run on 32-bit. I had to go to 64. That's right. Go Just... like Microsoft. we got to go to 64 because we've got too much shit we've never cleaned up. Yeah. This is actually Linux, but oh, oh, I I couldn't get the, my Myth TV thing to work on 32 bit, so I flipped on the 64 bit OS Boom. and bam, it works. Well, there you so are. It's just uh, just a Ubuntu thing if you're ever having issues. <laughs> <sighs> For all you Ubuntu users, we've now become the Ubuntu <laughs> users group. Yeah, Ubuntu yeah. support. <laughs> so let's begin with the first Reagan administration. So, of course, he comes out with his supply-side economics, dubbed Reaganomics, which his own vice president, when he became president in 88, later called it voodoo economics. Right, yeah. <laughs> A rising tide lifts all boats. <laughs> so, it's, it's again, it's yeah. like what's good for the 1% ruling mm -hmm. class who owns everything is obviously good for everybody else. Because it'll uh, trickle down. Trickle down, like a this rich is... man pissing off a roof. <laughs> well, this is exactly yeah, what exactly. George W. Bush did, yes. only 
not as severe as what George W. Bush did. So right. what George W. Bush did was do this, yeah. the same Reaganomics where the taxes were cut on the rich alone. This one had some trickle-down tax cuts that hit the higher brackets on a much more reasonable way. I mean, it right. didn't work. And at the time, everyone was shocked that this, this idea is crazy, but they just went ahead and did it. And right. uh, I'm just... This one didn't surprise me so much. It surprised me when it was revisited under George W. Bush because yeah, yes, we should have known better. Yeah, you, you don't. If, if, it's like, wow, did you really have to go from that playbook? You keep doing the same thing, only worse. It's <laughs> not going to help. Your own dad said it was shit. <laughs> no, well, he never yeah. listened to his dad. That's true too. Well, there is a, I, I don't know. There's some blog, some website I just found, you know, through Google. Ooh, but anyway, a, a guy Lugal. named uh, or Lugal. Dave Johnson, he wrote an article called Reagan Revolution Home to Roost in Charts. And it apparently claims he just keeps, he finds charts that do with all kinds of different things. And they invariably always go south right around 1981, 1982. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it, it's <laughs> like, you know, the U.S. debt or, or the, uh, the total income going to the top 10%. Well, that so, one went north. Right, that one went north, so it's like, you know, the top 10% are, are kind of stable through uh, the mid-20th century. Starting with FDR, he started taxing the rich, and so they're kind of kept at an even stream, and that's when the country really builds up. I mean, the economy builds through the 40s and 50s and 60s, and then, then you hit Reagan, and, and the rich start getting a lot more of the economy, and everything gets screwed up. Right. Uh, oh, and middle class. we did forget and we, one aspect of the Reagan doctrine. Goal. Which is um, <laughs> less government regulation. Right, right. Which I yeah. think we can see the results <laughs> bubbling up in the Gulf even as we right. speak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> yeah, you know, there, there is government regulation that can really screw up the economy. Often uh, price controls don't work. Right. But... My God, you have to have safety controls. Yeah, you have to have environmental regulations. You know, so you can't you, you can't piss and poop over everything. You have right. to keep well, some or the FCC nice, you know? and Wall Street can't be more or less say, oh, boys will be boys. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't have Ponzi the birdie scheme, made, made off yeah. and all that stuff. <laughs> Did you hear his recent comment? Gotta, Fuck my victims. Oh, really? Yeah, what a nice guy. What a wonderful yeah, guy. You know, that's, that's that that's a book title if I ever heard it. <laughs> Wow. But, but yeah. you know, a, a lot of this, this is a lot of what happened with the economics of America in the 80s because you had at the time, they, they needed people to spend and they couldn't figure out how to get people to spend. So they try this supply side economics, you know, oh, it's going to trickle down and it'll right. boost the economy. The inflation's going wild. Money will be spent. Right. So what happens? Credit cards open up and they open up who they'll accept, how much they'll accept them right. for. And rather yeah. than allowing wage increases, <laughs> you, you have, well, we'll allow more debt to be created. And and this is also when you see consumer debt start to skyrocket right. across America. And and that just that just really makes me mad when you see things like what we're doing now where, you know, Americans have these giant debts on credit card and 
giant percentages on these debts. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it's just killing the economy. It's, it's I almost mean, like a not not cash for gold, but one of those like uh, check cashing services. America's become a check cashing service economy where the yeah. people are constantly in debt and then they owe more because they're in debt. But what happens when big industry or giant corporations feel, oh, we, we, we goofed because we're doing voodoo Reaganomics and, and right. we, we need money. We need a, I don't know, couple hundred billion dollars? Right. Boom, there you go, interest-free. You, you got the big bailouts. In fact, um, well, we, well, men- we mentioned before, too, about the, the firing of the air traffic controllers, mm-hmm. which at the time was, I mean, it was an incredibly irresponsible thing to do because mm-hmm. these are highly technical, highly skilled jobs. Mm-hmm. And to, to, to fire all these people for, for simply exercising their labor rights was... Well, he gave them 48 oh, yeah. hours. Whoa. And if you didn't go back to work, you yeah. were fired. You're out of Dodge. And and I wonder what ironic hipster recently decided airports should be named after Ronald Reagan. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> oh, because yeah. oh. that is the most ironic thing to name after Ronald Reagan. Not to mention an aircraft uh-huh. carrier. Right. <laughs> yeah. Dang. <laughs> I'm on the Reagan, but I can't remember where I am. Yeah. Oh, now yeah. that that didn't need to be said. I. <laughs> you remember those Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live skits they did about Reagan? Oh, the one that always comes to mind is the one with Phil Hartman. Was it Phil Hartman who was Reagan? Yes, and, and he was complete a complete boob, completely lost. Right, and then they'd go behind the scenes, and he'd pull down. He was maps. like the oh, yeah. yeah. He was yeah. the mastermind, just marking everything out. Yeah, <laughs> behind yeah. the scenes, yeah. all this shit was. <laughs> I miss Phil yeah, Hartman. I, I do too. love that guy. Yeah, Phil yeah. Hartman was hilarious. And if someone didn't agree chef, with him in the meeting, he'd he just like that. kill him right then and there with a baseball bat. I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Or a uh, caveman lawyer. Oh, yes. <laughs> Your giant flying oh. bird scares me. Now, give me another scotch. <laughs> Unfrozen what? Caveman lawyer? Unfrozen lawyer, yeah. Well, the thing that was funny, he said, uh, President Reagan, the Girl Scouts are here for, for a photo op. And he's in he's like, oh, well. And his head's bobbing and everything. And he's taking all the pictures. And all right, get him out of here. <laughs> yep. going back to just yeah those are those are so ironic now you, because you, he oh. wasn't like that no <laughs> yeah. and he was and this was his inattentiveness that happened during his presidency was he was incredibly hands-off and he had this troika originally mm-hmm. of uh assistants that basically did everything <laughs> That's behind right. the scenes yeah reagan was very very hands-off mm-hmm. and in some ways i suppose it's good to work for a boss that isn't you know, micromanaging you, but in other ways, when you're talking about leader of the free world, it's probably something you should be paying attention yeah. to. Mm. Well, if your staff is really crack, you know, really a great staff that always does the right thing, <laughs> you're okay. Yeah, instead yeah. of the rogues gallery. <laughs> but when you have Dick Cheney and all this, yeah, you know, they're like, yeah, a kid in a candy store. And, you you know. just let them loose. Yeah. So the Reagan administration actually it had multiple scandals during eight years. So it was, true. The thing is that what we were talking about earlier is that when you read uh, the biographies of Ronald Reagan and his presidency and so forth, it they just seem to be so rosy, like this golden era, this golden period. Mm-hmm. And a lot is really glossed over. It was a very scandal-ridden two administrations. And oh, yeah. it, uh, it had the investigation, indictment, and conviction of over 138 administration officials, which at at that point was the largest number, of course, until Mr. Clinton. <laughs> and, you know. <laughs> part of that was probably Republicans you know, was was, trying to get him. Well, part of that is true, mm-hmm. but um, I think there was some real examples of Bubba Gate in there, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, the, the thing that always, I, no, I did not vote for Bill Clinton in either election. 
that he ran for president because he always bothered me. He always had that kind of Southern Dixiecrat boss hog feel to him. And I know that that's not like how you should vote, <laughs> but uh-huh. he just. Yeah. I'll get them new boys. Yeah, yeah. Was... <laughs> oh, God. Now we're throwing Dukes a hazard references. <laughs> oh, is there no end? <laughs> we're spiraling in toward our 100th episode. There were episode, a lot people. of scandals in the 80s, like the Dukes of Hazard TV show. Yes, there, <laughs> there was. It was. I remember Friday night, it was The Incredible Hulk followed by the Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> oh, I think, yeah, you know, I also ran into the original Incredible Hulk movies featuring Thor and Daredevil at that used bookstore. No. I might have to go back and pick up some items. I, it sounds to me like wow. you got a shopping list and you got to deal list. with this. I've yeah, got a like, list. Oh, I stopped myself. Okay. All right. So, but the savings and loan debacle. I mean, that the happened. savings and loan is huge. And, and, and we're this still is paying the, this off. Yeah, this is the original bailout of deregulation that was just recently replayed in the Obama administration in right. January and February. Seven hundred and forty-seven banking institutions failed, and they had to rescue it with $160 billion worth of taxpayer money, yeah. which at that period of time... <laughs> that was uh, a lot of I money, I mean, $160 then. Billion is, is still yeah. a lot of Snapple. Yeah. But back then, uh-huh. it was probably a even lot, more. Yeah. Yeah, a lot so. of Zima back then. Uh-huh. I'm not... Oh, God. <laughs> Jesus. I'm trying to remember the 80s here. <laughs> what is it? Some kind of hot tub time machine? <laughs> so... Um, let, let's go through some of the scandals uh, leading up to, of course, the big one, which would be Iran-Contra. Okay. Because Iran-Contra, yeah. oh my God. Um, I, again, uh, I was one of those nerdy kids that stayed in all summer and watched all of the, uh, you know, Watergate investigations. Oliver North, yeah. But I sure did that for Iran-Contra as well. Oliver North was always uh, just a little sidebar just to to get into that. But Oliver North, it, it always bothered me because it was it was summer mm-hmm. and it was a very hot, humid summer like it is now, uh, which is when the predators come <laughs> <laughs> to, to hunt. <laughs> hey, I'm hearing good things about that movie. <laughs> I'm going to go see that. I'll I'm go see, see that with that. you. But um, Oliver North shows up and this is Washington, D.C. too. So it's even more humid. Mm hmm. Because uh, Washington, as we all know, is built on a fetid swamp. <laughs> and as Lisa Simpson said, very little has changed. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Oliver North shows up because he's a Marine. And he shows up in a wool winter Marine uniform. And you think, well, why? You're not wearing the tan with the short sleeves or anything? No, because you can't wear all your fruit salad. Mm-hmm. You can't look like... If this president tells this Marine Lieutenant Colonel to, you know, okay, thanks. That's just what we need is another good German. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. But let's let's look at some of the other um, the HUD rigging scandal. And this is, of course, uh, the Department of House, Housing and Urban Development. The Secretary Samuel Pierce, which sounds very presidential. <laughs> it does. He, it does. Yeah. And uh, his associates rigged low-income housing bids to favor Republican contributors <laughs> to, to the Reagan campaign, as, as well as rewarding Ray, a Republican lobbyists such as James G. Watt, former Secretary of the Interior. And this yeah. man needs a special mention. James Watt, what a horse's <laughs> ass. Yeah. E- equal to our, our current Secretary of the he Interior. He wanted to like sell off the national parks or something. Oh, and, yeah, he you did. Know. He was one, the, also yeah. the guy that said that uh, at the inaugural ball, he did not want 
um, hippies like the Beach Boys appearing. Yes. Instead, he wanted uh, good, solid American entertainment like Wayne Newton. Now, I love them both. And Nancy Reagan said, <laughs> I like the Beach Boys. Yeah, it's like, yeah. hey, man. <laughs> Put him off. down a notch. <laughs> Plus, he was also the one that when asked... Um, do you uh, observe affirmative action in your office of the interior? Mm -hmm. And he made the comment like, oh, we got a Jew, a black. <laughs> I take action against them gay. all the time. <laughs> oh. I mean, he literally went down this laundry list. I'm like, well, thank you so much. Using inappropriate that's, words. That's very white of you, Mr. Watt. So, yes, he was. So, so James Watt figured very heavily. And if you see a picture of the man, he looks very much like a human light bulb. Yeah, it's amazing. So, and then of course we had the sewer, sewer gate. gate. Yeah, yeah. Which, you, you know, I, sorry, but James Watt. He should put a little GE tattoo right oh, on the should. top of his head. He, he looks like a human <laughs> yeah. light bulb. It's just disgusting. Yeah. And he has this look on his face too, like I'm just a prick, and I know it. I better go Google that. <laughs> Google. <laughs> hmm. Lugal. Oh my god. I just caught that reference. <laughs> Motley Lou. Hot oh. time machine. Oh man. In the uh, sewer gate, the uh United States Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA, were found guilty of using money from the Superfund, which is used to clean up, you know, very oh yeah, filthy sites to enhance the we election the prospects Great Lakes. of local politicians aligned with the administration. So they were funneling money like a bastard right from the get-go. Right, right. Then, of course, there was a lobbying scandal, which is one of my personal favorites, which involved Reagan's chief of, chief of staff, Michael Deaver, and Reagan's oh. press secretary, Lynn Nofziger. They were char charged with lobbying improprieties, which is essentially why they're in office and maybe about five minutes after they were out of mm. office lobbying for all these groups using all their government influence. Michael Deaver came back with what I think is one of the most brilliant legal defenses ever. At the time, I was an alcoholic and I blacked out a lot. I don't really remember lobbying. <laughs> oh, I just thought, God bless you, Michael Deaver. <laughs> so in other words, his uh, lobbying method was get the, get the guy drunk. Drunk until he votes get, your way. Shit face. There is no tomorrow. Drunk. Sign yeah, a wow. deal, and then we're outie. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you, Michael Deaver. <laughs> and you got to remember, most of these people were uh, prosecuted, and you know they received their little community service or whatever, and then they were pardoned. Generally, by the time this was made it through the legal system, right. under uh, George H. W. Bush, so all these sentences were written off and disappeared oh, yes. these were I mean, all cleaned up and, and yeah. this happened with clinton this happened with gw i mean oh, yeah this is exactly what happens except oh. there were a couple with gw that you know unexpectedly he didn't let them off you know i would if if i were the president of the united states and it were it was like my last month in office i would get like nixon drunk <laughs> and just start rolling out the pardons for like I don't know anyone I can think of. It's like okay, he's no, he's done. He's, he's okay. He suffered enough. <laughs> just just piss everyone off. Like, well, why the hell did he pardon him? Did he free Mumia? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Leonard Peltier, really? Yeah. yeah. You're gonna go there? <laughs> yes, I Smart am. Smart legacy. Come on, <laughs> tell me I can't. Come on, tell me. Who's the president? Yeah, I'm the president. Me. I'm the decider. God damn it. I'm the decider. I'm the word maker. <laughs> 
Yeah, and just, yeah. just stop. Well, and all those grandmas who are put in jail by the R R I A A, right? Too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for downloading oh, music. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't that wasn't that one of the things when uh, Will Ferrell was doing George W. Bush and during the debates on SNL, and he was they were saying, if you could sum up your political philosophy in one word, what would it be? And he goes, I believe that word would be strategery. <laughs> <laughs> So did Will Ferrell say that or George Bush? No, it was Will Ferrell, but George Bush could have said it. Yeah, I could have. Yeah. That's what made it so damn funny. Yeah. <laughs> so We're almost out of time, so I will instead ask each candidate to sum up in a single word the best argument for his candidacy. Governor Bush? Strategery. <laughs> so part of the, the sewer gate, too, was uh, head of the EPA was, in fact, found in contempt of Congress. I mean, when you got to go up and lie in front of Congress, I mean, you're really taking a big perjury risk. Yeah, yeah. Unless, of course, the mimeograph pardon machine is working overnight. Mm -hmm. uh, and the Inslaw affair was uh, a, really a good one, too, where the Deputy Attorney General D. Lowell Jensen and C. Madison Brewer both held in contempt of Congress for alleged theft of software and services, services from the Inslaw Corporation. Now, these were relatively minor compared to Iran-Contra. Hey, can we can we say one thing before we talk about Iran-Contra? Yes. Taxi driver. Oh, yeah. Okay. You gotta mention Jodie Foster. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, yeah. you the do assassination have to, attempt? You do have to mention that John Hinckley Jr. Oh. thought it would be a really good idea. Yeah. And so he followed Carter around. Because he was going to assassinate Carter to right. show that he loved <laughs> Jodie Foster. Foster. Yeah. Right? So, and I mean, hey, Jodie Foster is pretty awesome in that movie. And <laughs> I like, I, I actually love Jodie Foster. Not that much, but you know. Uh, not like kill someone. Not like kill someone, love you. But like, uh, so eventually he had to switch to Reagan because he's the new president. Right. And, and he does this horrible buckwheat has been shot moment where, where he... <laughs> Tries to assassinate Reagan. Man, the Eddie Murphy SNL skit on that was wonderful. <laughs> Have you seen the assassination tape? Bees, bees. <laughs> Wasn't it Alfalfa that did it in the in the SNL no, version? No. Yeah, I yeah, think it was Alfalfa. Alfalfa, how do you feel? <laughs> I feel confused. <laughs> So anyway, so, you know, Reagan took a bigger hit than anyone thought because the bullet actually did, you know, pierce his lung. Right. And he yeah. was oh, not doing and well. Do you remember his quip? When oh, they were yeah, yeah. in the stretcher? It wasn't even a quip. I think it was really what he was thinking. When he was in the hospital and Nancy got to him, right. she finally got to his side and he's laying there. What did he say? Was the assassin a Democrat? No, I, <laughs> no. The, the thing I heard he said was, uh, I forgot to duck. Oh, well, yeah. well, it could have been part of the same, you know. Yeah, he was just quipping like a bastard. Wow, I didn't, yeah. I didn't hear that one, but yeah, yeah. I definitely heard the I forgot to duck. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of like some of the stuff that comes out of that guy's mouth. Yeah, he had a certain charm. He, he did, did have he a did. certain he charm. Well, and then, of course, this is when see, Alexander Haig declares that he's in charge. Oh yeah, read your constitution. Who's <laughs> <laughs> in charge? Like, in fact, they have a copy right here, uh, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Haig, and um, you're way down in the. <laughs> I believe that would be the Speaker of the House. Yeah. But you know, when he returned from that, heroes welcome. I mean, yeah. this guy, this oh, yeah. worked politically for him incredibly yes, well. Did. Nancy, not so happy about it. No. And so from that moment on, basically, the president he got shut down. As far as public appearances and right. shaking hands and, or I'm sorry, kissing hands and shaking babies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
so let's get it in the proper whatever works yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah it, it got shut down and and that that helped uh isolate him even further yes. and you know the just like hitler and the troika was more in charge yes of business that was going on with things like iran contra affair before we get into the iran contra scandal uh tor Give us a breakdown on Grenada or the attack on Gilligan's Island. <laughs> no, no, Grenada's a formidable opponent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah. yeah. Grenada is, is absolutely fascinating. Uh, it's Caribbean Island. Just to give you some history, it started as British Commonwealth. Right. Um, and, and through the efforts of um, Labor Party and uh, Sir Eric... M- Matthew <laughs> Gary. Oh, uh, God. Gary! <laughs> Lord Gary. Right, it was Sir Gary. Um, <laughs> I'm Sir Gary to you. That's his name. I don't know how he got the sir, but he's a sir. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, he, 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 he finally... Uh, Helped along with uh, his his party, independence from England, and they became an independent country. And this is in uh, 1974. Wow. But it's just, I got to give you a little background on uh, Sir Gary. Okay, Okay, Um, please do. Back in uh, 1970, he was a judge for the Miss World uh, beauty pageant. That is a resume builder. That's where you got the sir. That's how I got my start. <laughs> yeah. And uh, call me sir, ladies. And, and the Grenadian contestant, Jennifer Huston, won. And there were accusations, especially from the contestant from, uh, I think it was Sweden, that uh, perhaps the judging was rigged a little bit because one of the judges was from Grenada. Oh. And uh, so there is some controversy around this guy about some possible corruption and whatnot, you know, having yeah. to do with the beauty pageant. Hey, what the hell? The Swedish <laughs> hey, contestant? Are you kidding me? If Sweden's yeah. complaining, you might want to look into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, so anyway, we move forward a little bit. Sir Gary is uh, now the... <laughs> I know. It's, 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 I mean, I'm sorry. That's impossible to just, like, get past. I'm, I'm picturing Gary from SpongeBob. <laughs> well, it's spelled G-A-I-R-Y. And anyway, he becomes the leader of Grenada after, after they get their independence from uh, uh, Great Britain. Which by this time is not so great. But unfortunately, as you might suspect, given his history with the Miss World Beauty pageant, his administration was uh, corrupt. And um, I'm shocked. Shocked to find that there's corruption in Sir Gary's government. Yeah. <laughs> and he was also uh, somewhat obsessed with uh, UFO and... <laughs> I want to party with Sir Gary oh so God. bad. Is this guy still alive? <laughs> Is there any way that we can contact Sir Gary? Because I, I just, I have to know this person. Are you saying me out of extraterrestrial life. Wow. Um, this guy's got to be on Facebook. Oh, let me think. I, let's see. Oh, no. He passed away uh, in 1997. Oh, damn it. Oh, cheated by I, time. Another yeah. opportunity. <laughs> Shot down the toilet. Yes. <laughs> So um, so anyway, so he's the leader of Grenada. They're independent. They're looking for UFOs. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I'd be doing. Wow. <laughs> but given the corruption, 
there was another revolution in the country. His government, he was off in New York, actually speaking to the United Nations, trying to get a, a bill passed to look for UFOs and ex extraterrestrial life. <laughs> At that time, I want uh, to believe Maurice Bishop or Patrick Starfish takes takes control <laughs> and, of Grenada, and and this is in uh, 1979. Okay. Um, <laughs> and and Maurice Bishop's uh, movement is called the New Jewel Movement. Oh, oh. yeah. So the album wasn't that great. <laughs> now, I don't know. It, it, starting pretty early on in, in Reagan's uh, presidency, he's um, pointing out that uh, Grenada is a problem. That they're getting aid from the Soviets and the Cubans. Oh, and. You know, not that, those that, goddamn Cubans. Well, you don't want the domino effect to happen. <laughs> no. Oh, geez, that, that's not that's not good. <laughs> First um, Grenada, then St. Thomas. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so, um, and anyway, the bishop leadership goes for a few years, but then they they start to have infighting with uh, within his own party. There's a coup, and Maurice Bishop is overthrown. This coup is, is put on by Bernard Cord and the Hudson Austin and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and Teddy the Wonder Lizard. Anyway, they, they formed a, a military council and they... Punta. They, yeah, they, they, they took over the Bishop administration, primarily because Bishop wasn't Leninist enough. Oh. So they wanted to crank it up So there were communists involved. Right. And there were protesters in the country that wanted Bishop back. Long story short, the extreme Leninists uh, murdered Bishop and his closest allies. So uh, Bishop's out, and uh, the new guys are in. Now, Reagan has been wanting to take over Grenada for a while now. He's planning really? the invasion. And in fact, in Grenada, there's kind of talk because like, uh, do you think the U.S. will do it? No, they, they won't. They won't invade. You know, they're just kind of. Right. So it's kind of uh, an idea that's out there. Mm -hmm. That's something that's going to happen. And when Bishop gets murdered, that's Reagan's chance. That's like the Twin Towers falling. This is your chance to start the war you've always wanted to start. Now, Tor, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't uh, the military efforts, and, and I, I use this term loosely, coordinated by uh, Schwarzkopf? Um, I, I do think Norman Schwarzkopf was yeah. involved. And as, um, I, as I recall, there, there was like so many military groups involved with this that they were like stepping over one another. And in fact, like a bunch of Navy SEALs were drowned because these other Navy ships were coming in. And it was just like really a cluster. It, it was not the best run uh, operation. It, it was beautifully highlighted, though, in Heartbreak Ridge. I'm getting to that. <laughs> I'm, so, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, spoiler. But no, I mean, that, that's okay. No, you are right. We might as well hit that right now. There, there's a, because this movie ties in so good with the last Tank Rat episode about movies, because I believe Sputnik had two Clint Eastwood movies yes. that you mentioned. But there's another um, movie called Heartbreak Ridge uh, starring Clint Eastwood. And remember, this is the 1980s. And essentially what that movie is, you take an 80s party movie. Right. You know, with the fancy hair and the little studded leather jackets and the silk right. shirts and all that stuff. Yeah. And the sunglasses. You, you get all that. Break dancing. And, and then you introduce Clint Eastwood playing a huge hard ass. That's right. right. Okay. Yeah. I remember that oh, movie. Oh, yeah. You got to remember that yeah. movie. Yeah. Anyway, you mix up the two groups, and in the end, you squeeze out 
just Clint Eastwood. But, but, <laughs> but how does this? How does this? Uh, how is this Grenada? How is this Grenada? I forgot because they his group in Marine oh. Recon invade Grenada. So then they, they invade that's, <laughs> that's, that's the, the invasion movie climax. climax. Okay, wow. yeah, is they invade? I just remember Grenada. the bar stuff, and he's all yeah. angry and Clint. no, no. That's when they go into action. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, Clint Eastwood is he's kind of this. Uh, washed up gunnery sergeant, and he he gets his you know ragtag group of losers into shape. Ragtag losers and yeah, <laughs> some guy into party shape. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do remember this movie. Long enough yeah. to attack Gilligan's Island. <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's right. <laughs> the skipper didn't know USA, what was coming. USA. Now, now in the movie, they they do portray a number of battles, and they are kind of loosely associated with actual battles from the Wheel War, but. Not yeah. so much. Wasn't uh, Mary Van Peebles playing the role of the Ayatollah of Rock and Roll? Rock and Roll. <laughs> he, he was playing um, S- Stitch Johnson. Stitch. <laughs> Mary Van. Peebles. A personal friend of Sir Gary. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, th- there's a scene where they use a bulldozer to um, <laughs> get, get through some Cuban lines of, right. of fire. And uh, that actually did happen. I'm not sure if it was Marines. It might have been Army Rangers, I think, that had to use everyone it Everyone was involved. Yeah, I mean, it was literally everyone. Marines, Rangers, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Heartbreak Ridge kind of shows you the uh, patriotic, the way to go, good job men kind of uh, image that Grenada now has. But yeah, that's, but that's I mean, not the whole story. I know. Well, you can support the troops without supporting the war that the and, poor troops are right, stuck ex- fighting for. Exactly. Right. And I'm not talking about putting some magnetic thing on your car because that's, <laughs> that's just right. stupid. It is. No, Sorry, but that was uh, really the theme of Grenada was the leadership and uh, some of the higher officers and all that made a lot of bad decisions, screwed up a lot of things. But when it came down to the soldier. They figured out how to get the job done, even if they had to hotwire a bulldozer to do it. And that really happened. And and so, yeah, I, I have a huge amount of respect for the soldiers that went in there because, yeah. you, you know, yeah, it was a tiny island, but they were they were up against live bullets. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were Cubans, uh, there were Grenadians that were fighting against them. And, and they did a great job fighting. And they basically had to figure out the whole war themselves because the leadership gave them nothing. They were given uh, right. little tourist maps of the island that didn't even have the elevation of the mountains on it or anything. Right. Literally just that. It was just kind of a general yeah, tourist th- map. There's, uh, I think it was the dean of the college where, uh, of course, there were medical students that needed to be rescued. And that and that was the, I believe, the the public... Uh, excuse excuse for (laughs) so we're protecting these medical students which is basically like we couldn't get into any american medical schools so we're in granada yeah but or they really like to surf either or yeah yeah but um the i think the dean or or had some deal with one of the schools he provided the reagan administration or the or the state department with uh, detailed maps of Grenada and all the location where all the students are. I'm glad that made it to the soldiers. Uh, no, they kind of <laughs> f- forgot. <laughs> yeah. Somehow that, that, that never got to the soldiers. So the soldiers had these little tourist maps. And then when they rescued the first group of students, the ones they knew about, the students like, okay, is, is someone go getting their friends over in here, here, and here? And they're like, what? <laughs> There's more? And so... <laughs> 
I don't know, I guess someone got a, a surfer map together and they had to plan out the attacks to, oh, you know, get the other Lord. students because, you know, the intelligence was just awful. Right. Mm. You know, the U.S. military can't have a geographical map of every place in the world. No. Uh, yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> Lugal does. Lugal does. Yeah, exactly. Lugal, right. <laughs> so. Except uh, North Korea. <clears throat> right. Apparently Lugal's. In Area 51, you yes, can't get Area 51 exactly. on Lugal. But part of it was Grenada was building a really big runway, and they were using Cubans to do it. And so that's, oh, the Soviets and the Cubans are, you know, trying to get another base right. in, in the Americas. And all evidence really points to the primary purpose of that airport was for commercial tourist traffic right. to get the big planes in because the other runway couldn't handle the big planes. So did we win yeah. and defeat the... Sort evil of, Grenadans? Well, or, sort of, uh, kind of. It was sort of like the Spanish-American yeah. War. Us? It was like, eh, yeah. <laughs> depends on how you describe victory. Yeah, I, it, we had basically had, had victory there, but it was at a cost. Mm -hmm. uh, a human cost, a property cost, and also a big PR cost around the world. Even one of Reagan's strongest allies, Margaret Thatcher, yes. was pissed off that right. we went in there because but we broke the international law right they weren't she said essentially we invaded a sovereign nation for no particularly good reason right with the students weren't in danger they were only in danger because we were now dropping bombs and shooting bullets right. all over the place <laughs> <laughs> so yeah of course they were scared and yes they kissed the ground when they got home because right they were in the middle of a war <laughs> but if the war didn't happen they act if you could think of a more unlikely place for a major military action, right. it would have to right. be Granada. Or Falkland I mean, Islands. I rate Falkland <laughs> Islands, yeah, that, that would have been another one. Right, right. But the, the students actually, um, you know, on, on break, they would play baseball with the Cubans that were there. So it's not sure. like they weren't getting along. Right. Just to get the human cost, United States lost 19 soldiers mm -hmm. and uh, 116 wounded. Grenada lost... 45 soldiers, 358 wounded. Cuba lost 25 killed and 59 women wounded. There were at least 24 civilians killed. However, it, it's probably more than that. I've heard that there was one uh, mental hospital that was bombed, and there sounds oh, like at great. least 30 killed there. This wasn't the way to handle the situation. No, right. This is a classic case where diplomacy would have right. been the way to go. But this well, this was you, not you know, the Reagan doctrine, though. This was always yeah. the extreme confrontation of communism, which, of course, is this absolutist evil in the world. Mm -hmm. But you do have to put this into perspective. This is a day at the market in Afghanistan. I mean, right. these kind of losses and civilian losses are huge in Afghanistan right now. That is true. Uh, so, I mean, mm -hmm. I don't want to get too wound up about that when we have such horrendous violence going on that is, in our that current. is very yeah. true and in but you know in in a certain sense they're they're kind of related precursor. In, in a very way the, yeah the, the, this is the concept and the theory the right. pre, the preemptive strike of grenada leads directly to the preemptive strike in iraq yes. that uh right. george w bush did okay. to get get the wmds and stop the terrorists and right. all that business which didn't pan out as true i remember i remember yeah. watching colin powell shake his little vial of sugar around yes mm -hmm. uh, and and there were um leading gosh. up to grenada there were satellite photos of this runway mm -hmm. uh, you know showing you know big military satellite photo ooh runway right. but 
you know, you could have just went there and taken the picture of the runway and you could have talked to the right. guys building it. Right. It, you know, but doing a satellite photo, that makes it scary. You know, you bring up a good yeah. point, Tor, because I remember like with Nicaragua, which was another huge burr under yeah. Reagan's saddle. But that would have been a, a more difficult war and Grenada was easier. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Nicaragua was uh, interesting because... Um, you know, of course, we we mined their harbor, and you know, we definitely had very aggressive military action there. But one of the things that always amazed me was during that period of time, they had photos again, these high altitude photos of crates that were being unloaded in Nicaragua Harbor. Ooh, uh, or, or was it Managua? Managua Harbor. I, I, you know what I mean. You know the <laughs> yeah. the large harbor that they have. They actually, they had to refer to Pentagon cratologists whose sole job was is that, you know, if you see a box this size and with these markings, this is what's in it, mm-hmm. which I mean, wow, that's specializing. Yeah. So they said, well, the only thing that can come in these crates would be like Soviet hind attack helicopters. So they're like getting this technology. So it's like, okay, here's, ah. because of this picture of a crate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it could be that flimsy for the Reagan administration to act on. Yeah. Yeah, and and speaking of information, Grenada was really the first U.S. war where reporters were not allowed in. Right. They the whole first few days of the Embedded conflict, or otherwise. Yeah, you, you just had the military story, and that's the only story you hear. Right. Except but, what you can get from civilians, and there were a few reporters that snuck in, but some of them who snuck in were rounded up. Right. Yeah. I believe you had the same thing happen in Panama as well under H.W. Bush, too. Yeah. There's been an effort in the Iraq wars and Afghanistan to control the media. Right. Which and, they've and, done. Yeah. Un- Except for Rolling Stone. Except for Rolling Stone. Well, <laughs> yeah. that's, you know, McChrystal, like, self uh-huh. uh, you know, I know. I'm just teasing. Yeah. But, no, that's 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 very interesting. I mean, that would that's, like, say, part and parcel of, well, I mean, when... The Soviets used to supply arms to the Arab nations. They had top-of-the-line military equipment. Once the Soviet Union stopped supplying and, of course, dissolved, you know, that's when they started using the, you know, IEDs, anything else that they could kind of scrape up. And I think that's when we started going from, like, um, <clears throat> you know, let's talk of a peace surplus. Um, well, what would be an enemy that's always there, but you can never quite find... Uh, I would think maybe Muslim extremists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so it just kind of continues on. So so the new Reagan, if there's yeah. a new Reagan coming down the pike, it would be they would have the same aggressive stance toward somebody. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter. It's like whoever is the right. enemy du jour. And in, in most of these cases, you're going to get a lot farther along with diplomacy. And right. the whole idea is you want to get along. And right. The, but the remember, Union, remember uh, though, the military industrial complex that we were warned about 50, 60, 70 years ago. I mean, this is exactly why these conflicts are so useful. You right. get to get rid of a lot of weaponry. You get to blow off your 4th of July fireworks, and mm-hmm. then you can repopulate them and rebuild them again with your next right. defense budget. I mean, Because it, if right. you just keep stockpiling right. weapons, that's, right. there's no money in that. Right. You need to use these weapons every now them. and then. And, and then when you use them, other groups, warlords... Yeah. Uh, totalitarian governments can see just how fabulous they right. are. So it actually becomes like a showcase of your weaponry. Yeah, it's like yeah. shock and awe or something. Shock and I was thinking of that awe. completely when when Baghdad was under siege. I, I was oh, thinking yeah. this is a disgusting display of 
Fourth of July firepower. Oh, you got to right. know, like the, you know, when the Shah was still in power, one of the big things to get was, uh, I think F-15s. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that was or F-16s. You know, that was like the top of the line equipment to get. F-14s, I think. F-14s. I'm sure you're probably right, Tor. But now it would have <laughs> to be like Predator drones. I mean, that's the yeah. one that everyone is just dying to get. Yeah. You know, so it's yeah, it's 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 a commercial for it is a commercial. Your... Yeah, it's a commercial endeavor, too. And yeah, we mm-hmm. we, we have a large, large debt mm-hmm. to the defense. That, that's why budget. it's so frustrating. If we could spend the money on science and uh, things for the public good, it stimulate that socialism the, tour yeah it would stimulate it, the economy right, just as much that is totally socialism but the problem with the military stuff is you build it you make money building it but then it blows up and you have to start over you Isn't build something like socialism? build something like a bridge that can last 100 years well i mean that's one you know. of the things well, unless I mean, it's built in america i mean you know well, europe yeah. went through two devastating wars By they decided well <laughs> maybe if we do this I've differently <laughs> you know whereas we never had that so it's like well i think we can just keep Growing economically forever in a closed mm. biological system. And I don't think there'll be any problem with that, except, well, maybe for the Gulf. So what yeah. in the hell do the Contras have to do with Iran? Well, <laughs> Iran-Contra <clears throat> scandal was was the preeminent scandal of the Reagan administration. And mm. what's interesting is that, there, well, there's many things that are interesting about it. But the, the one thing that strikes me about it is that as uh, you know, we can get to, I mean, we can pretty much wind up Reagan's post-political life in that um, he suffered from Alzheimer's for a number of years, you know, passed away. And presidential doctors have said that this didn't show up in the presidency. He always had this air of detachment. He always had this... It's possible, but there are many reports of people, reporters and so forth, and people that were close to him. I agree. I agree. Alzheimer's creeps up slowly. It does. It has a very long onset. People have had it. I have have experience with it myself. Um, Not me personally, but me and my family. Um, It does creep up slowly, and those who are afflicted have cover behaviors that tend to guard the discovery Mm -hmm. of... The disease itself so it wouldn't be such a trick to hide from the doctor no. but like the doctor who recently published a book on being the doctor for george w bush and mm-hmm. uh, they are there all the time so there are things they can catch so it obviously didn't progress really heavily with reagan until no, later but no, yes you're but, right but you're I, right but some th- people did catch it i think that uh yeah one of the things about his, his second administration was that he had the uh, the famous shot of him where, you know, he, he had this, you know, big head of hair uh, through most of his life. And there was this one where it was like shaved, like right down the middle. And he took his hat, he doffed his hat and Nancy just like grabs it and puts it back on. He was clearly having cat scans done, you know, even then. Mm. And mm. he had the famous polyps and he dealt with prostate cancer and so forth. But, you know, they don't shave your head unless they're looking for something more. And what I always thought was interesting is, is in the second administration, you, you always heard and read about the conflicts between Donald Reagan and Nancy Reagan, yeah. uh, which would have been Donald Reagan being his chief of staff yeah. and, and Nancy Reagan, obviously his wife. And she was known as the dragon lady. Mm-hmm. She was very protective of the access to Ronald Reagan in, in that second administration. And what I found interesting was that after Reagan had left the presidency, they questioned him after he had left office about what he knew and the Rand Contra and so forth. 
he could not remember who Colin Powell was, mm-hmm. uh, who was, his, of course, his chief of staff of the armed forces. I, th- I think there was indications in that second administration. And, and I think that there's precedence for that in the American presidents, certainly in the case of Woodrow Wilson, who mm-hmm. suffered, suffered a devastating stroke. His wife was essentially the president for all functional purposes. I got to I got to jump in here and say that Nancy was very 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 involved in the presidency. Yes. And these yes. were this was like a Paul McCartney situation of a president who is never away from his wife and right. she was kind of a half president anyway just cuz she was so in charge. But I got to mm-hmm. say Merv Griffin, in 1981, introduced Nancy to Joan Quigley, I believe, yes, who became the astrologer yes. to the Reagan administration. Wow, yeah. So <laughs> Nancy Explain Reagan that. was making a lot of decisions for, for Ronald, and a lot of them, like this whole good day, bad day thing, was based on astrology. Right. And, and Appalls me. We yeah. recently did a Carl Sagan episode, and Carl Sagan, you know, Explained why astrology. Uh, yeah. N- n- Does it n- take into n- account black holes? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Neutron stars, any of these things? How do those affect human fate and destiny? Yeah. yeah well, yeah. of course they don't. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. So, yeah. Astrology it, it's, is. It's sad that in such a modern, a modern age of yes. the 1980s, which, you know, we've already been to the moon, that we're still using astrology right. to. And, right. and Donald decisions. Reagan broke that story because. Donald Reagan tried to take over as kind of a prime ministerial position for the Troika and try to take charge of things and try to run things. Nancy hated him. He hated Nancy. He tried to isolate her. She tried to isolate him. And eventually he got fired. Yes. Based on Nancy's recommendation. And then he outed the whole, hey, look, uh, everything's based on astrology. Astrology (laughs) and they're just a bunch of freaks. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, they're definite giant infighting there. Well, and that also threw the thing out, too, about, you know, being a fundamentalist Christian, too, because if you're, you know, believe in astrology, that's kind of, you know, you're going down that whole occult road as well. And that's the thing is, and he really did. I mean, Reagan believed that we were on the edge of the apocalypse right that, that this whole nuclear war All option biblical is prophecy. biblical yeah. prophecy yeah. and it could happen and i think reagan and that's the thing about reagan that makes him a lesser douchebag in his belief system because he actually bought into what he was saying like, yes he was sincere about it not like george w bush who was or, kind of or, or like dick a, cheney you know, is a good example of yeah you're kind of cynical D- yeah just a big bs person who who is using the power for the power's sake to to manipulate the system to right. i don't know Gain power and money, or money and power, whatever is more important to them. Exactly. Reagan actually bought into the fact that he was the president of the United States against communism and fighting. Which George W. Bush felt as well, is that he was like selected by, I mean, I don't know if he truly believed that or not, but he certainly made statements to the effect Mm -hmm. of that, you know, God chose me at this difficult crossroads. They do do have that in common. History, You have to draw those two together. Once we get 20 years away from the George W. Bush, Bush presidency, history will maybe make a little more clear what his real role is. I mean, we're far enough away from Reagan that we can extrapolate that information and and say that solidly about Reagan. I'm not so sure yet about about George W. Bush. True. So I, I'm not sure how much he actually bought into his own rhetoric. No, no. And, and based on his letters, because Reagan is a giant letter writer, we, we have a lot of information about Reagan's letters and what he mm-hmm. felt about what was going on politically. Mm-hmm. We, we know where his mind was at. Right. Yeah. But we have to get to Iran-Contra first, and then we can talk about the, 
you know, who ended, ended the actual the Cold, Cold War. War. I think that I probably mean, that's all the fits question. In. Right. That's what yeah. really needs to be talked about. And we realize this is going to be one of our longest episodes ever. So if you need to pause, yeah, by feel all free means, to please pause. Do. <laughs> but we're not going to split this into two episodes. You're getting no. one long episode and. That's just the way it because is. Because it's, it's Ronald Reagan. And it was a long presidency, people. It's a long presidency, and it's a very <laughs> difficult one because you do have to really look in between the lines and separate the presentation from the fact. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and you really can make up your own mind in, in terms of that because the, his presidency, years later, is still highly debated by historians, right. uh, foreign mm -hmm. policy experts, and so on. Politicians, primarily Republican politicians, like to keep pointing out how they like Ronald Reagan. Right, right. He, he like, is this, yeah. this, this, you know, saintly figure and from this golden past. But and guys, we're just trying to point out, it's like, no, this is a flawed past. In, like, a, in yeah. 100 years, he will be. Yeah. I mean, there is oh, yeah. no, you can try to talk, we can try to talk about truth of situations and what people really are as characters. I mean, I think Clinton might be as well, but I know for sure that the machine's already in place, that in 100 years, Reagan will be the next Lincoln. I mean, he is, right. his face is going to be on money soon enough. I'm sure you're right. I'm <laughs> yeah. sure you're right. If, if I mean, not Rushmore. <laughs> that, that process is, seems yes. to be already yes. very much in it place. Is. And that's, like I say, go out to the internet, sir, just type in Ronald Reagan. <clears throat> yeah. See what you get. You know, I found out that there was something that existed that I had no idea did. The Conservapedia. Oh, yes, there is a Conservapedia. I was like, oh, my God. Facts according to conservatives. <laughs> yes, right. facts. Yes, which in itself is like uh, an oxymoron like Jumbo Shrimp. Yeah. But, but, but you can look at the any Wikipedia editors out there. No, you can go to Wikipedia and you can look at the conversations going on behind the scenes about controversial pages. Right. And, and most anti-Reagan or pro-Reagan sites are flagged as controversial. And, right. and there's this conversation going on in the background that's just utterly fascinating. And because right. you don't know exactly where these people are coming from, but mm -hmm. they're, they're trying to, you know, I, I like Wikipedia. It's not a, a, a total resource, but it's, it's fun to look at Wikipedia because you have the transparency of knowing where people are coming from. But, right. but you can see when a, when a document moves far left and then when it moves far right, you can follow the timeline of the conversation of people exactly. who are editing it and see why they're editing it and what they think is important. That's right. And it's just to fascinating me, to, to me, look it's, at these. it's even more interesting <laughs> than if you just like, okay, here's Encyclopedia Britannica. Exactly. And it's just like written in marble. <laughs> right. And we're here. Yeah. It's like this this growing organism mm -hmm. that, oh, well. Oh, yeah. Woof. Right. I put this whole cone of paint on Reagan it. Reagan is an incredibly active document on Wikipedia. Yeah, it's contested. It's it's contestuous. There, there's so much going on on there. So I definitely encourage people to look at the background. That, oh, yeah. that, that is, it's amazing. So yeah. watch how it changes. Watch how it gets whitewashed day by day <laughs> right. by day by day. And that's yeah. really, I think, the important point of it is it's like, <laughs> look, um, you know, Howard Zinn would be the first to say this. Revisionist history is a scary thing. Yes, yes, it is revisionist. Uh -huh. Every yeah. day Wikipedia is revised. Very much so. 19, right. I mean, 1984, this yes. was a Reagan year. Yes. It was a Reagan, <laughs> Reagan year. Reagan. I was well aware of that. Reagan, yeah. It yes. was all too aware, That was clear fact. to me. Uh-huh. So essentially, Iran-Contra, to boil it down to a simple description, would be that in Nicaragua, there was a revolution going on, and you know Daniel Ortega and the Sandinistas were taking control of Nicaragua, which is uh, a major Central American state. And there was a group that essentially was, I think, more or less kind of a paramilitary death squads, but they the the Contras. Mm -hmm. Great and, video game. Great video game. That's right. <laughs> so 
the Reagan administration in its, you know, Reagan doctrine of, you know, extreme confrontational stance toward anything communism, especially in the third world, said, well, you know, petitioned Congress and said, we want to send aid, money, and so forth to the Contras. Congress flatly said, no, no, we do not see this as something that we need to become involved in and spend money and resources on. Now, this is where, so Iran-Contra, you can look at it in, in, in a couple of different ways. So essentially by um, 86 is when it really starts breaking. And what, what had happened was, is that the Reagan administration sold weapons to Iran, uh, which, you know, was an extremist Muslim state. In fact, the first Islamic Republic they sold them uh, a variety of different weapons and used the money and sent it directly to the Contras in defiance of Congress, which blows every check and balance that the Founding Fathers and <laughs> the Constitution stands for. So essentially, the executive branch is making a, a huge power play over the legislative branch. And of course, this does not stand very well, but it's many years after Watergate in a very different political environment. Mm -hmm. Where Iran-Contra becomes more complex is is if you get into the whole concept, and this is probably where we're more into, well, sort of conspiracy theory, but, you know, you could look at it a lot of different ways, is the so-called October Surprise, where in 1980, and these are unproven allegations, but essentially the Reagan-Bush campaign yeah. made a secret pact with uh, Iran, who was hold, that, that was holding American hostages for well over a year, to delay the release of them until the November election, mm -hmm. which would ensure Reagan's, because there was a failed rescue attempt that right. actually had a Scani connection, but I... Please do well, tell. The wow. rescue attempt was, a, was failed because these helicopters flew in to the Iranian desert on the way to the embassy to free the hostages. What had happened was a... Uh, very intense but hard to predict sandstorm came right, up right right totally screwing up the helicopter's turbines uh, you know I forcing think we've them to talked land. about that yes. yeah yeah they are known as a haboob mm -hmm. <laughs> now apparently here in the in, in Madison in the very uh, heart of Scotty Nation our meteorological department actually specializes in predicting haboobs <laughs> They merely had to come to Scotty Nation. This could have happened. The first Reagan administration would have been delayed. Wow. I'm just saying. Anyways, moving on. I want to make a Rodney Dangerfield joke about predicting haboobs. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I'm just it not going to. I'm not going to. It back to school. Which yeah, is exactly. Course, exactly. Yeah, I love that yeah. with. Um, I don't uh, want to predict haboobs, but. <laughs> With uh, Sam Kinison when he's the history professor. <laughs> or Phil goes, K. Dick. No. How? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Kurt Vonnegut. And? And? Because Truman was such a fag. <laughs> he said, I like you. I'm going to keep an eye on you. <laughs> so um, what was complicated about Iran-Contra was that they, the Reagan administration worked through the Israelis to sell weapons to Iran. Mm -hmm. One of the things that pissed the Iranians off is they still had the Star of David painted on them. 
So, I mean, try to, you know, politics, strange bedfellows, yes. Mm -hmm. Now, the October surprise and the whole delay was that the hostages wouldn't be released in return for future covert arms sales, which, of course, did, in fact, come up. Now, this may or may not have happened. There's there's not any real strong evidence for it, but it throws the the whole two terms into. Well, the hostages were released. They were released exactly Exactly. on the schedule, Mm -hmm. which makes it so damned weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So and you know what? I don't know. I, I, I guess I would really rather move on to the whole thing about reagan mm-hmm. ending the cold war iran contra is very well documented the list of the rogues gallery of people oliver north oliver north shredder shredder oh god what was the one very statuesque woman who carried out documents in her panties uh f- um uh, i don't know her name oh i'm gonna blank on this i I'm sure but, but her secretary, his secretary. Yes. Yeah. She, yes. And she, she was like really she very had, attractive. Yeah. And, she had to testify and, oh God, and he shredded uh, documents like nobody's. They jammed right. a shredder. Right. Shredding documents to get rid of evidence. And he had said that I, I think Oliver North later on, much later, had said that he, he'd seen actual documentation of Reagan ordering these things being shredded. Right. Not that he did it, of course. Well, Oliver <laughs> He North... shredded all the unimportant things. <laughs> Oliver North went on <laughs> to say in his memoirs that he, he completely believed that Reagan knew oh, about everything, yeah. but then went on to say that he wasn't always, that he wasn't always sure uh, that the president knew what he knew. Right, right. And, and this is the thing. I mean, this could have been a Watergate-type issue, but uh, yeah, but for really good shredding ability, <laughs> and and, well, and it's, it's so hard to track down the the actual who did and this is what always what. upset me though about the Reagan Bush years was that and I I would include the the first H uh, W mm-hmm. well the not the first the only H W Bush administration is that at this period of time like for instance with Watergate I mean Nixon was a paranoid. But he knew what he was doing. So when he said he didn't know what was going on, he said, no, there's no way. He mm-hmm. knew totally what was going on. Yeah. In a certain sense, there's almost kind of a sense of security in knowing that even <laughs> if your president is evil, he still right. is competent. Right. Yeah. Whereas with Reagan and Bush, not knowing or being in the loop, mm-hmm. as they said at that time, became perfectly acceptable, which Michael yeah. Deaver again used beautifully in yep. his blackouts. And and Reagan used that yeah. well himself, where, I mean, that was the condemnation of the Tower Commission report, was right. that if the president didn't know what was going on, he should have known what was going right. on. Yeah. You know, it's so. not acceptable yeah. for you right. not to know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, could, with Reagan's yeah. personalities, I, it's very possible that someone may have, may have told him facts directly to his face right but he kind of was just so distant that it was it didn't sink in he became very yeah. angry with a speechwriter because he put this big description of well you know complex foreign events in and and reagan basically if you couldn't boil it down to three by five index cards it wasn't it was all right. about buzz phrases and, and remember remember mm-hmm. when when we were talking about nuclear annihilation and he'd met with uh patty had brought this i forgot her name I'm sure we'll get email about this, but Patty had brought this nuclear activist from Australia in to meet with Reagan and talk about the facts of nuclear annihilation and and this buildup of nuclear weapons. And 
uh, Patty was really just trying to. She was concerned, just like we were right. all were at the time. I mean, this was this was around this is his t- daughter. Yeah, this is yes. P- Patty uh, around the time of the Lawrence Kansas film um, that scarred me so badly about mm-hmm. uh, the day, day after, after yeah. uh, about nuclear annihilation. She met with Reagan, and Reagan brought out facts and figures. She said to Reagan, "Well, n- those aren't." really facts and figures that's just what they're reporting in reader's digest he's like no this is from my state department and he was quoting reader's digest and and that that was what reagan did reagan is not a reader reagan does not read books but reagan reads reader's digest right i mean he's a big picture man right right so not a detail not yeah Yeah. so he get bullet points and and this just scared the hell out of her because Mm -hmm. you know at first she thought maybe patty could bring her in and i feel terrible i can't remember her name now she's written books about this stuff she talks about this stuff right Uh, i'll post it on her website but she thought maybe she could reason with him Mm -hmm. but she couldn't because he was still you're just an uninformed hippie probably communist you don't know what you're right. talking about i'm ronald reagan we got to stop this threat this evil empire yeah and he was unwavering exactly and she realized at that point that not only was he unwavering but he was uninformed and there was right. no way to reach him and, oh there was and, no and, way and to... informed ideologue see again right. laying right. The, the groundwork for the and she, she left that meeting completely shattered yeah. like there is no hope there's wow. no way of changing the direction of this oh, so yeah. i mean we can say a little more about Iran-Contra, or we can just talk about who actually ended the Cold War. I, I would encourage our our listeners to, certainly the testimony that was given is fascinating. Right. I think you can probably cut to the chase by seeing how many people were pardoned mm-hmm. because they were caught red-handed. Casper Weinberger was the <laughs> one that always really pissed me off because that little son of a bitch knew everything. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and that, that one always yeah. bugged me. Oh, Oliver he North... got 200 hours of community service, didn't he? <laughs> Two hours, yeah, picking up trash <laughs> along the highway. I know. I mean, I think oh, I got less in high school. so much. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, I think we've all done more community service I know. Than that. I yeah. know. It's, it's like, well, well, I didn't do Iran-Contra. So one of the biggest elements of of the reagan era that i think is and and i i work with a lot of younger people mm-hmm. who are in it and uh they definitely it seems there seems to be a definite conservative bend to younger people now mm-hmm. in, in america i don't know if it's just uh like they can perceive their parents as being you know hippies or liberals or something so they go the opposite direction to piss them off Maybe like they did, you know, 20, 30 years ago when, you know, in the the left direction. I don't know. But the fact is, is that, yes, there are people that that younger people who were probably not even alive during those administrations that that believe that Ronald Reagan ended the Cold War. Right. And the Cold War was a very complex, interesting history of many players Mm -hmm. and many incidents. Right. That now, that any t- any one in time could have led to a full military or a full oh, nuclear exchange. Absolutely. Now he ended the Cold War by, it, wasn't it? He invaded Moscow to save the American medical students at the <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Moscow Medical College. Is and of course, <laughs> Sir Gary. Sir Gary, yeah. who was wintering yeah. <laughs> just outside of Gorky Park. Yeah. No. Um, the, the, he happened to be president at the time of the Soviet right. Union. Again, fell. ambling through history. Ambling yeah. through history. Uh-huh. Now we've got to say, like his policy toward the Soviet Union was, and and this this is directly in 
contradiction to what he claims of his idea of big government is big defense. I mean, right. he felt that to end the Cold War, he would build up our military and build up our military and build weapons and build weapons and build weapons. He used the phrase peace through strength. <laughs> right, right. Which is sort of like, you know, Hitler's uh, strength through joy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and he, I, don't he, know, he, I don't know how much he knew he could outrun the Soviet Union. Well, but, he wanted but to bankrupt him. He was he was obsessed. No, Actually, no, I think I, that's I don't giving even, him too much credit. I don't yes, think. I don't, I don't think, think that that was ever the plan. Right. I don't think he knew that at the time. In okay. hindsight, and I've been... That's what the historians say now. Yes. Yeah. Let's let's put it this way. Kennedy and Reagan and... and I mean, Reagan, if, if he did anything to further the demise of the Soviet Union or world communism, however you want it to... It's not really world communism. We still have many examples. I mean, obviously, China now our most favored trading partner. And frankly, if they called in all our, our trading deficit, we, <laughs> we'd, we'd be fucked. Well, so would they, because we wouldn't be paying up. That's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Can't get blood out of the China. Good luck on that. <laughs> China's kind of a communist capitalist now. I don't know what China yeah. is. Yeah. I mean, you it's, tell me. Uh, yeah. But the point is, is that the Soviet Union had had suffered at least a couple of decades of very desperate economic stagnation under mm-hmm. Brezhnev. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, stagflation, uh, stagflation. In, in America under Reagan. Stagflation. I love that term, stagflation. stagflation. We're stagnating yeah. and inflating. I don't know what the hell's <laughs> well, going on. Well, that did start in the 70s. So that, that, That's an that, album title, stagflation. Yeah. Yeah. That's not just a Reagan thing. Well, so anyway, yes. I mean, yeah, so, so there was... Um, so there, there were certainly a lot of internal stresses that were going mm-hmm. on within the Soviet Union during this period of time. Uh, there had been some disarmament talks, but... To, to, as I was saying earlier, to, to say that America, using the theory of containment, as mm-hmm. the Dulles brothers always, you know, espoused, makes it sound like we were more passive and more defensive. In fact, we were incredibly aggressive right. in how we pursued the destruction of communism. I mean, almost from its very inception, we went along with the Japanese right. and everyone else into Vladivostok in, you know, 1918 and 1919 didn't recognize the Soviet Union until the uh, first uh, Roosevelt administration. But with Truman, Truman was was probably the architect and one of the most aggressive uh, anti-communists. Then you have Ike. Kennedy certainly practiced the same type of brinksmanship that Ronald Reagan did. Mm-hmm. Uh, with mm-hmm. Granada, Nicaragua, you name it. Uh, well, of course, Cuban the, missile crisis. Yeah, a Cuban <laughs> missile crisis. Or uh, yeah. it's Reagan, you know, with his little microphone gaffe when he said, oh, we're going to dust Moscow in eight minutes. You well, know? yeah, we've got to, yeah. Yeah, Ooh. that's a great audio. I'll take great and, piece and, there. Yeah, crazy, crazy situation. But, you know, one thing I've, I want to point out is this basically won him the re-election. Was right. he, he went negative, and, and this is... This is what wins elections in politics and brings it back to the point I was making over an hour ago is that you just bring fear into the discussion and the fear of the evil empire and the fear of nuclear annihilation. The fear that the next president you elect is going to be too weak will make you the better candidate and you will win the election. And he has played this fear card over and over again up until that point and it won him the re-election and that that is how... George W. Bush managed to get reelected, right. and and this is that fear. Fear yeah. is a motivator to voters. Well, I gotta tell you, I had <laughs> I had some major fear with the Bush administration. I mean, this was a oh yeah a loony. <laughs> what are they going to do? I mean, <laughs> they're going to start turning the keys pretty quick. Yeah, 
my god anybody else please no but but you also had you had uh ronald reagan against many numerous leaders you had and drop off chernenko and and then i think the one thing you could probably say helped reagan be able to claim any responsibility about ending the cold war is that that is the reason why gorbachev was chosen right. as the next leader of of russia was that this character might be able to deal with America better. Well, because America has this insane cowboy. Right. I mean, and this is from the Russian mm-hmm. perspective. This is how, how a lot of Russians viewed what Reagan was representing because in his speeches, he was didactic and sure. And right. he was just completely sure that Russia was evil. And it, it, they needed someone that could help. The source of all mm-hmm. evil on right. the globe. They needed mm-hmm. someone that could deal with this cowboy. And right. Well, I mean, you ended right. up with Gorbachev. Essentially, with yeah. um, after Brezhnev died, and you know, Brezhnev was one of those <laughs> classic kind of Stalinist right. characters. Right. Yeah. Then you had a series of also Kremlin characters in poor health. In poor health, <laughs> yeah. I took dirt naps almost immediately. So you have Gorbachev, who's who's somebody who's certainly a younger man, more progressive, understands, I think, the West in in a more um, reasonable fashion right and and he kind of took the soviet union to a place where you could no longer longer argue that they're pure evil right because he was doing things he was opening it up and it's like okay he's not totally bad mm-hmm. right which yeah. and also too i mean let's let's not rule out chernobyl and the effect that that had too i mean that looked like okay these people can't really even take care of their infrastructure anymore mm-hmm. yeah right it became pretty clear and you know, in the time I've spent over there, it's so clear that there's a fear of American influence and American right. ability to posture in such a way that, that you would... Uh, I've met hardline communists that think still that, you know, America is still planning on coming over and taking over and right. grabbing the mines and, and looting the Soviet Union, basically. Yeah, it's just Which the, certainly the, the, has the, not the, seemed to have been the case. Yeah, right. the rhetoric feeds the rhetoric. It does. It yes. Does. Yeah. Yes. So it, it, it does empower both the leadership positions. But mm-hmm. I, I think truly Gorbachev understood that this system couldn't stand anymore. Gorbachev always struck me... Um, in is in almost like two directions in a certain sense yes he he was the person that said okay look we've got to find a way to gracefully withdraw mm-hmm. and you know most people always credit the you know mr gorbachev tear down this wall <laughs> condoleezza rice and other people have said that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Nobody in, who was involved in American foreign policy really took that speech seriously. It had no effect. It had no follow up. Again, it's a soundbite. Oh, it's a wonderful soundbite. It's a yeah. wonderful soundbite. Wonderful. No, so really, before we go too far about Perestroika and everything, I got to mm-hmm. mention that it was another great quip by Reagan who said when he just destroyed Mondale. And Mondale said at this uh, second debate, it was the second debate where uh, someone asked him about his age. Uh-huh. And and because he's the oldest president ever. So to this day, Reagan's the, our oldest president. Yes. And someone asked, well, is age an issue? And Reagan said, 
I will not make age an issue of this campaign. I will not make my opponent's youth and inexperience yes. an issue in yeah. this campaign. And Mondelian I wrote that. that he said he knew he lost the campaign. That was right the moment when moment. he lost the election. Yeah. That, which is just amazing. It's awesome. And it just, yeah. boom, right off the cuff. This guy could quit like the best yeah. of them. I will not make age an issue of this campaign. I am not going to exploit for political purposes my opponent's youth and inexperience. <laughs> But I, I did want to say what I was starting to say earlier was about um, the Challenger explosion. Mm. Uh, as I've said in earlier podcasts, and obviously I've you know taken the name Sputnik, I'm a huge space race freak. Mm -hmm. And when Challenger blew up, it was uh, very alarming, very arresting just to see something I explode like that. I was in school at the time, and all the all the classrooms in my school were watching that. But I was in gym class, and when someone ran into the gym class and told me that it had exploded, I thought they were lying. Like, I didn't believe them that it had actually exploded. That was a really, truly tragic moment in, it, it really in was. U.S. It was. space exploration. What was even worse was when you started to find out the details where, mm -hmm. I mean, you, you kind of thought, okay, it just exploded and it's done. No, they might very well have been alive and just plummeted miles down into the gulf. So it was horrible. And yeah. when Reagan did this memorial and there were all these family members there, I mean, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. And people who like never thought in a million years they'd ever meet the president felt so close to him. They just went up and hugged him and, and, and he hugged them back. It was, it was a genuinely moving moment. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, he was very good at what he did, you know, and, and I'm not trying to say that yeah. it was, I'm not trying to, to say that it was insincere on his part or anything, but it was just that that is the effect that he had on people that, mm -hmm. that this wasn't some icon it was just like, oh, yeah, thank you for saying that. And I, I remember this one young woman going up to him and just hugging him like, you know, he was her grandfather or father or something. And I just I thought that was a truly moving moment. Right. I mean, so I, I, I will give the man that the fact that, yes, he was a master manipulator of imagery. Right. Well, his speech at the mm -hmm. re-rededication of the Statue of Liberty was a wonderful set piece where they lit right. the statue again. He was and the he's great right there. Yeah, I mean that is oh, that yeah. is why he's well, such an icon. I, I there, there's a group of people called you know triumphalists who you know when the Cold War ended you know were saying well it was you know Reagan and the Star Wars Initiative which Reagan himself hated that <laughs> moniker. Right. And. Uh, you know, many people within the Soviet Union, including Gorbachev, and I always said that I was saying before that he that he always struck me in two different ways. One mm -hmm. is that he was the uh, a very good person to bring the Cold War to a close and kind of shut all this stuff down without necessarily you know n losing face and having to react in a you know, it's not like the Hungarian or Czechoslovakian put downs of, of democratic movements. They just let things happen. And then later on in the 90s, just slowly kind of mm -hmm. shut it down. And then there's another part of Gorbachev that always struck me as like someone who really liked thousand dollar Armani suits and Rolex mm -hmm. watches and wanted to live in California, but, just like Ronald Reagan. I got to say that Gorbachev was willing mm -hmm. to deal like when they were having negotiations. Yes. I mean, this brinksmanship that we yeah. talk about when they would have negotiations in person. Uh, Reagan was really 
holding the line. Right. But Gorbachev was willing to make wonderful exceptions, and he's like trying to meet the West halfway. Well, and and, and that mm-hmm. first meeting went horribly. But it worked very well for Ronald Reagan because the are second you, meeting went much better. Are you speaking of when they met in Reykjavik? Right, right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and, and a lot of people in the Republican Party uh, criticized Reagan mm-hmm. for being so conciliatory toward Gorbachev. <laughs> and he wasn't. And it was like, I mean, you could look at Gorbachev wow. as, as like a master strategist in a simple way of saying he's like, okay, you win. It's it's like a keto. You know, you use the strength, the greater strength against your opponent. Right. And, and, you know, about all I remember that from that, from the news, was that uh, Gorbachev pointed out that Reagan should probably have a hat on because it was re- really cold. Well, that was the thing. That, <laughs> that, that helped make Reagan look so much better because Reagan yeah. just showed up in his suit, whereas yeah. Gorbachev yeah. showed up in a giant coat and all Looking bundled up with, Russian a, with a scarf. And, yeah. And, yeah. yeah, he well, it's looked it's like Packer fans weak. not wearing shirts during right. the yeah. you know, 30 below Woo! game. Yeah. <laughs> Face painters, GB on your belly. You know, one of the things that I always remember from that period of time, and this is a very scony sidebar, there was a period where the KGB and uh, Spetsnaz kind of pulled a little palace coup and mm-hmm. grabbed Gorbachev and were kind of holding him hostage around the Black Sea. You know, basically saying, no, you're not going to end this. <laughs> you know, this is this is we're going to kind of keep this going. And so he was kind of incommunicado for a period of time. And I remember seeing a, a, a billboard that was very common at that period of time. And uh, it was for Paps Blue Ribbon Beer. And they had a picture of Gorbachev, and all it said was PB Army ASAP. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And it was like, that always sticks in my mind. It's like the end of the Cold War. PB Army ASAP, fuck. <laughs> Shit's happening. I, uh, well, Gorbachev ended up on, um, I think it was some like taxi pinball machine or he was right. waving down a pa- taxi on the the artwork on the pinball machine. Right. Yeah. It, I would say that if 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 Reagan Reagan probably had no more part and I would probably say a lesser part than previous presidents of the Cold War period in ending that. Right. I think that that the efforts mm-hmm. of Truman, Eisenhower, Kennedy and so forth probably had as much if not more to do with the final well it, you, i, you I think you have to mention the efforts of stalin as well stalin I yes mean, <laughs> the, there are a lot of the, there are a lot of infrastructure things going on in the soviet union that america was not aware of specifically so that they would not be aware of the weaknesses of the soviet union but the soviet right. union had been collapsing for a long period of time yes up until it's reagan a very yeah, so, slow right and and you got to give a lot of credit to the the populace because it was them who was getting really upset with the system that right. were applying the pressure yes. that wanting it to be changed unfortunately there was a very well and then too when when the eastern bloc started to you know truly disintegrate i mean you saw how many different ethnic and political groups there were and some of these republics were nuclear armed as well like the ukraine comes to mind that um you know it was a very dangerous situation i think gorbachev saw that and realized that this has to be approached carefully or otherwise you're going to have these rogue nations with nuclear warheads that and and you had a lot of very uh totalitarian leaders mm-hmm. i mean like uh uh, Ceausescu in uh, in Romania, for mm-hmm. instance, and, yeah. and a lot of these uh, people mm-hmm. that you know it 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 happened in a way where there was not 
a lot of bloodshed and a lot of loss of life or war or mm-hmm. setup of warlords, which I think is, you know, speaks very highly of how that how that conflict was ended. But but to say that Ronald Reagan was the architect of that, I think, is is unfair. And, and to, not say true. That, the, it's ridiculous. to say that he was against big government when when his idea is to build up to destroy. I mean, the defense budgets went through the roof under Ronald Reagan. Yes. And. Yes, and they he, continue to do. Yeah, he do made so. some drastic tax cuts, but there were tax hikes to make up for that. Yeah, it, it's a very complicated presidency, and just on so many levels. So yeah, so I I don't think that it's truly fair to say that. I, no. I think that's a myth that has been per- perpetuated by the soundbite of mm-hmm. of you know Mr. Gorbachev tear down this. Wall. I agree. I agree. And it, mm-hmm. but it, it at it, least he didn't say I'm a jelly donut. I'm a jelly donut. And you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Berliner. Very glad he didn't say I'm a jelly donut. <laughs> at least. That's true. And so, so. But Reagan just, did like jelly beans. Oh, that's yes. right. Jelly yeah. beans. Thank you for bringing that up. And the yep. man did leave office with, I think, like a 63 percent approval rating. Yes, he had the highest approval years, rating of, which oh, was yes. amazing. Mm-hmm. To say that he's a good or bad president, I, I think that's up for history and the individual to to. Uh, and certainly the listener to make up their own minds about, uh, which I think we made very clear in in our good versus bad presidents podcast. Mm-hmm. However, I think mm-hmm. to say that he is a great president and this icon of a golden era, I think it, it is is not true. And you have to really dig deeper, which is one of the things we've always said here at Tank. Oh, right? Yeah, right, right. Dig deeper. And- you know, I mentioned uh, Jimmy Carter and his, you know, pushing solar and let's be energy efficient and right. all that. Reagan took the solar panels off the top of the White House. Right. Like, screw that. No, we're burning coal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just like we did back in Tampico. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, yeah, whatever. We're, it's like this mindset of oh, we're just going to be tough and stupid and. Right. Move forward. But this very frustrating. This administration is the forerunner of the last eight years. And I think in a lot of ways, the Reagan revolution, uh, not only can you be a Republican, you should be a Republican, even if you feel that you're that that whole Horatio Elger myth of, well, you know, millionaires and billionaires get away with a whole lot of things. But when I become a millionaire and a billion or a billionaire, I want to get away with those things, too. So people give them a pass. That whole idea of, yes, our government truly does know what's going on and they're doing it for the greater good and they know more than we do and I shouldn't know any more about that and having less press coverage and so forth. All of these things I don't necessarily think began from 1980 to 1988, but I think that they laid the groundwork, very real groundwork for Mm -hmm. a lot of the things that we dealt with. Uh, in the first part of this century, and certainly, I think, continues on with uh, our new Jimmy Carter, Barack Obama. <laughs> our new Jimmy Carter. <laughs> yeah. At least he, we're getting solar and stuff I know again. Why. I mean, Let's like... call him Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy Obama? Jimmy, Jimmy Obama. Obama. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no, yeah. now we're going to get letters. Uh-oh. Speaking of letters, yeah. let's go right to the mailbag. Mailbag! 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 We 
got a lot of really good responses uh, to our movie podcast, which we appreciated. And uh, considering we we kind of uh, pulled that one out of our ass because we were having we're still collecting all this information on this podcast. The interns, I've, yeah. we've sacked the whole lot. There's a million things we could have said, and I think we chose appropriate sentences. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. No, that sums it up beautifully, it does, Victor. It does. Thank you. I would like to start off with um, <laughs> one of our listeners, uh, Donald, who uh, writes us. Donald Regan wrote us? No, Donald Regan did not write us. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, he is uh, from our, our neighbor to the north. America's hat? America's hat. That's Canada. Canada. Yes. He he said, um, <laughs> he uh, makes this one joke in here that I personally have not heard, but I love it. It says, speaking of beer, very Canadian joke from my youth. Oh, yeah. Why is American beer like making love in a canoe? They're both fucking close to water. <laughs> I love that. Yes. I just love that. That's I, I tell you, Canadian beers are some of my favorite beers. Yeah. They honestly are. You know, Labatt's. Canadian. Uh, Canadian. Yeah. But for the record. <laughs> the New Republic of Canada. <laughs> in Wisconsin, we make a lot of beer. And a lot of the good stuff, we drink it right here. Yeah. like <laughs> yeah. Point doesn't go outside of it, it, no, 120 it miles of Point. We talked about that in the beer show. But, Which, you well, know, Point is not a good example. Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> Mrs. Sputnik recently made uh, one of our many liquor runs to mm-hmm. uh, to Woodman's, uh, where we can get all kinds of wonderful alcohol for reasonable. It is like prices. the Walmart yeah. of it is. beer. Oh, I just I love that place. There's yeah. like a whole malt liquor section that it's like it's oh my god, unbelievable. Yeah, I love that place. So, anyways, there's this beer that it's it's like my favorite beer. It's uh, 33 Export mm-hmm. from Vietnam. I will, I will get to it, man. And uh, oh. so I said, hey, and that's the only place I've been able to find it. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, pick me up, you know, a few of those. So I've got those cooling in the beer fridge. Okay. I enjoyed one tonight. And it was like, oh, it's, it's like in the movie Beer Fest, you know, when they when they finally make the beer from the secret recipe and they go, oh, this is unbelievable. <laughs> so that, but, but I would have to say that above and beyond 33 Export, I, I've always enjoyed Canadian beers. The problem is, is that that many of the smaller breweries, which I enjoy the most, mm. do not make it down even this far. No, you got to go up to Montreal every now and then, and <sighs> that's fine. Enjoy, yeah. fine. beer run, enjoy, yeah, beer, beer run. run. Mm-hmm. You got to take your passport now, though, which mm. is kind of a it drag. is trickier to cross the border nowadays. It is trickier. Thanks, America. <laughs> yeah, thank you. It's like, yo, so I'm a reverse terrorist. I mean, I mean, yeah. Canada used to be very easy to go back and forth to. I, I used to cross the border all the time, but yes, it's it's a little more difficult now. Wow. Um, we also have one from. Uh, well, let's, speaking on beer, I, I, okay, I go. got two plugs. Uh, Tyrania's uh, Rocky's Revenge, Wisconsin beer. Tyrania. Tyrania. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to bitter Victor. Woman, he can talk. <laughs> I love and, uh, that. Yeah, bitter old woman. And. Fr- Furthermore, is three feet deep. Ah, okay. Excellent beer. I'll try those. Nice and rich and grabs yeah. you right by the nunny. Yeah, and they're not like water. Yeah, Ale Asylum okay, makes so. wonderful local beers too. And yeah, and yeah I love some... their uh, Contorter Porter. Contorter Porter is a good yeah. one. Uh, Amber Geddon is a really good uh, West Coast amber style, like like what I made. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a dark, it's a darker IPA with a lot of hop right. flavor. So. Yeah. And you know, and I would just like to say about Canada too is uh, 
I love Sarah McLaughlin and Katie Lang. <laughs> um, I enjoyed when you hosted the Olympics. I love your stance on healthcare and marijuana. Um, I really can't say more about about Canada than than that. I you know if it wasn't so fucking cold, I'd be there now. Mm. Yeah. And I, I, I love pumping iron to Rush. There's some good skiing up there, too. Rush! I couldn't... Uh, trailer Park Boys. I mean, all <laughs> great Canadian Why exports. do you think they went to Rush? <laughs> <laughs> I just want you to get some Rush tickets for me, Ricky. <laughs> okay, I have another one from Brian, who um, I know that Victor has already responded to when he said, do you guys ever watch any foreign films or silent films? Yes, Victor and I are big consumers of foreign films, and and I am a big consumer of silent films. We have a local video store that has a whole wall of silent films, which I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, silent four films, star video heaven. We're not paid. Four star video heaven. An unpaid ad. They yeah. have a really great selection of, of everything, of everything that you yeah. could possibly want to see yeah. in silent this films. This is an uncensored yes. video store. I mean, you know, of course, a lot of people have been exposed to, you know, the the classic chaplains and so forth, and Birth of a Nation. But there's also, you know, the Magic Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, mm-hmm. some some of the better cuts of uh, Fritz Long's Metropolis. Yes, and there are newer, better cuts um, arriving M, as we speak. And well, M M wasn't silent, but. Um, it was close to right, right, and of course Greta Garbo. I worship at the shrine of Greta Garbo. So yeah, I, yeah, I'm into Buster Keaton pretty well too. Yeah. So yeah, the, the, there's a lot. Uh, and, and as far as foreign films, you know, I did include a Tarkovsky on my list. I mean, I could do a whole top five of my top five foreign films. So oh yeah, and and we'll, we'll maybe we'll maybe even do that later. So if you have other film suggestions, we'd love to hear them. Here's another one that uh, was sent in by Paige. She said she really we she really enjoyed our our uh, movies podcast, and said that uh, the the best Val Kilmer movie is Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. <laughs> that is a great that is a movie. great movie. Yes, yeah, so Robert Downey told, Jr. is fantastic yes. as well, and those guys yeah, right. riffing together. And I do not write wonderful. off Chevy Chase because I love Community. I absolutely love Community. I love Joel McHale. I watch The Soup every week. It's not just about Joel McHale. No, it's that not. That entire cast of Community is, is very strong. Is fantastic. Yes, Abed is just brilliant. Mm. And, Senior Chang. Oh my God, they didn't. <laughs> They did an Ernie and Bert thing that I was laughing because it took a while to, it took a minute or two to figure it out because they're only moving the one arm and they were walking like Muppet. When when Abed was uh, the Dark Knight. Oh, as Batman on the Halloween episode. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Oh, oh. So the uh, (laughs) top five was The Hustler. Great film. Truly, Madly, Deeply, I really like that film. Mm-hmm. That one, I wept openly at. I will admit that. I've seen The Hustler under many different influences. Yes. <laughs> Philadelphia Story. And here's a couple we did not get. The Wild Bunch and Bridge on the River Kwai. Wow. Those are some great, great wow. ones. Yes. Wow. Great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. We've just become the Andy Griffith those, show. Yeah. Those Thank are, you those, so much. Those are really great picks. Yeah. And here's one from Scott, who is very earnestly going through all of our backlog. From Melbourne. Yes. Wow. Um, I want... (laughs) We are getting some really insightful emails. Yes, we are. I mean, people are definitely picking up and saying, okay, have you seen this? Here's something else. (laughs) And and this is exactly what we want to encourage. Mm -hmm. Feedback at tankriot.com. Let us know what you think. You might yeah. be a big fan of Reagan, and that's fine. 
write us in. Let us know where we might have gone wrong or something that we can look into. We will not go to the Conservapedia. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> but if you, you know, if not you, even on my darkest of days. Even, <laughs> even even when I'm at my lowest of lows, I will not do that. <laughs> but what did Scott have to say? Well, Scott had many things to say. He was talking about uh, zombie movies. Um, he grew up with Italian zombie movies uh, set on an oil rig. Okay, I yeah. And he sent us a link at IMDb, which is like, okay, cool. Now that's very much along with the zombie in okay. the sub, you know. Oil rig, yeah. Yeah. I will Zombies in a sub leading to the Gulf. Uh, yeah. I'm seriously, yeah. yeah. If you're going to make that uh, zombie film, submarine. <laughs> so... Um, so we, we've had a lot of really very good emails. Tori, you have one as well. This is not an email. This is an actual... Uh, actual mail. Uh, we actual type letter that came, Snail came mail. to the, the P.O. box. And this is from um, Mike in Milwaukee. Ooh. He's a lost... Our nation's uh, he's capital. He's a longtime listener, first time snail mailer. The original capital of Wisconsin. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Milwaukee? Milwaukee. Milwaukee. The Good Earth. That is Belmont. (laughs) Fine. Be that way. Wasn't it Ripon? (laughs) Ripon? No. Ripon. I I recently was in Ripon. The the home of the the Republican Republican Party. Where the Republican Party started, yeah. It's like this tiny, it looks like a garden shed. And and they went in there and said, hey, let's call ourselves uh, Republicans. Because it's a Republic. (laughs) I thought it was a condom walk, but, you know, whatever. What? The economy? Original word? capital. <laughs> I, what is the original capital? I'm just making up Wisconsin words. I think it was Belmont. <laughs> it is a real city, actually. Wasn't it Muscoda? Hey, you know what? <laughs> I was looking at a map of Wisconsin the other day, and I zoomed in on a lake, and I swear to God, the lake was called Random. Wow. Yeah, someone got really bored naming lakes. And was, there's so know. many lakes in Wisconsin. They're like fucking random. Well, there's like 20. Let's call lakes. this one random. Who cares anymore? I don't no care. One's, no one's paying attention. Hey, do I look like Lewis or Clark? It's random. <laughs> it's random. Okay, lake. schoolhouse. Yeah. Let's just go. Well, anyway, uh, Mike in Milwaukee, his uh, roommate is is part of the band. Uh, 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 if I had a high fi Yeah, if I had a high fi It's yep. all written as one word, so it's hard mm-hmm. to read. But uh, I, 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 and he sent us a copy of the CD, and I started listening to it on the way over to the podcast. And I got to say, yeah, it works. I was, uh, it really worked with aggressive driving. Yeah, um, <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you very so get, much, get because D- Devo-like music is where I live. So. Yes. Yeah. It's it's a good good hard driving stuff. So uh, I I haven't heard the whole CD yet. I got through probably halfway. If and... I can get permission from the band in time to post this show, I'll throw on some. If I had a high fi as music, right? Yeah, we'll see if we can pull that off. So let us know what you think about tonight's episode or anything in particular at feedback at tankride.com. Also, let us know if you have some ideas or suggestions about our big one hundredth episode. We're really coming up on a hundred. A you know what's amazing yeah. is that the hundredth episode is probably going to happen close to our five year anniversary wow. of recording Tank Riot. Wow. That's right. Because Tank Riot started on October Something. the fifth of <laughs> oh, 
2005. <laughs> yeah. Man, I had a blackout there. Michael Devers. Oh, so Michael Devers. Oh, I could have been laughing. I don't know. Was I wearing pants? Michael I don't know. Devers. <laughs> yeah, I think our first episode was recorded on uh, 10.505. Okay. Wow. So, so there you go. So it's coming up. If you have ideas for our fifth anniversary or our hundredth episode, that would be Let great to hear. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just going to be a clip show. A clip yeah, show. yeah. <laughs> I pity the fool. Doing a Back clip in show. episode twenty-six, we said this, which was kind of funny. <laughs> or oh, remember when we did this? No, actually, I don't. No. I was yeah. really it was a long time. I was really shit faced but thank you so yeah. much for bringing that up and, and recording uh, that for posterity. But speaking of episode one hundred, I've gotten some uh, people to sign up, but uh, there's a lot more of you out there who haven't uh, signed up yet with either. SETI at home or folding at home? You got a computer. Yeah. It's not doing anything while you're at yeah. work. Yeah. It's not like the internet can read your dreams <laughs> when you're sleeping. It's not entertaining your cat. <laughs> or can it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you sign up for these things with SETI at home. We'll, we'll find the aliens. We'll, we'll, we'll make Sir Gary proud and, you know, Sir figure Gary. out where the UFOs God are coming Sir from. Meow. Yeah. <laughs> and with folding at home, it, it's a uh, protein folding. It's a uh, science. And, uh, <laughs> Science is real. What, 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 Good heavens, Miss Yakamoto, you're beautiful. Potentially, Aww. potentially, the, the, what wow. they may find at, with all this research at folding at home is they might be able to cure Alzheimer's, right? And uh, which could prevent uh, presidency from going kind and of wacko. And above and beyond so, that, tour, wouldn't yeah. it just be nice to see some new faces in the neighborhood? Aliens, yeah. I mean. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, Peace. especially. Yeah, especially yeah. if they brew good beer, you know. So oh, or something even better, right? Mm. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> so you got to go sign up for SETI at home for folding at home, and and then we, we we've got the feedback at tankriot.com. We've got our PO box. You can get off the website at tankriot.com, and uh, the Fifth Beatles running a Facebook page. You can like us at facebook.com/slash/tank.riot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think you should like us. Yeah, like us on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, that's work on our virtual farm. And twitter.com slash Tank Riot. Yeah. Work on our virtual farm, goddammit. Yeah, T- Twitter follow us. Occasionally we post there. And we're accepting donations to the Tank Riot uh, 100th episode fund. Right. At the tankriot.com. Yeah. Which we'll yeah. use to open our very own Mother Teresa mission. <laughs> So, no, well, we won't. No, no. elevators, goddammit. <laughs> yeah. None of these soft it's beds. Look bad. <laughs> yeah, we might buy new new spit guards for the microphones or something like that. But. That's right. God knows we need those. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, there's a donate button on uh, tankright.com where you can uh, send us some funds and we can help keep the podcast going. Yeah, otherwise right? we're just going to exist on government subsidies like usual. I mean, well, they're giving us millions, but you know, donations would help. Actually, right. actually, I'm, I'm, for our next grant, I'm I'm going to put in that uh, we don't we they actually pay us not to podcast. I don't know that we can get that by the IRB. <laughs> I think I think we have to submit something. We want you guys off the air. Yes. Yeah, they will. They will pay us a lot of money to stop doing this. Stop making so, fun of the president. Yeah, you can just pay yeah. us to keep doing it. Are we people of interest? It's win lose. Yeah, you tell us. Good night and good evening from tropical Madison, Wisconsin, the very heart of Scotty Nation, and Tank Riot.
Nice. Nancy, Nancy, have, have you seen my jelly beans? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I thought of was that Phil Collins video where he's riding the Triceratops. <laughs> Superman, where are you now? <laughs> I love that one. Oh my god, what are we at? 245. Oh my oh, god. Oh fuck! <laughs> my god! We're up there with like Fossbinder now. Like- oh, Mother Reagan and her crew took away from me and you. I'm sick of As soon as I get home to California, I plan to lean back, kick up my feet, and take a long nap. I'll come to think of it, things won't be all that different after all. (laughs) 